What up, Chet? Hey, Denzel. How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing pretty all right. All right. I'm Denzel. And I'm Chet. Welcome to another edition of Real Nerd Hours. Uh-huh. A podcast ostensibly about nerd things. A comedy Thank podcast. You. Thank you. Ostensibly. Put some respect on that name. <laughs> and I shall, baby. I <laughs> shall. A comedy podcast about nerd things such as anime, movies, music, so on and so forth. Yeah, Lots you know, of things. Come on now. It's Lots nerd shit. You should be up to speed by now. Yeah, if you're a new listener, what's up? Don't listen to this episode. Just kidding. <laughs> don't listen to the early ones. I can tell you that much. Yeah, don't don't listen to episode one. That's still like our easily our most listened to episode. Yeah. I understand why. It's you know it's the, first, the first, one. first one by like orders of magnitude. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> it's not a good one to start with. No, not at all. God. Well, anyway. Moving forward, Chad, yes. how was your weekend? My weekend was pretty good. I went up to to Los Angeles, like not quite Los Angeles, but the LA area for the uh, Gudetama Curry House crossover event thing. For those not in the know, Curry House is a uh, Japanese restaurant out mostly in LA. And uh, they're having an event with Sanrio, specifically Gudetama, their depressed egg characters. They have this like meal set that's soup, salad, curry, dessert, drink, and a beanie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's all Gudetama themed and it's pretty cool. Oh, geez. You got to eat the beanie you at the end. You got to eat the beanie. <laughs> if man. you don't, you got to pay for the meal. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. It's yeah, one yeah. of those food challenges. Exactly. The Japanese love food challenges. <laughs> it's a very Japanese thing. <laughs> But yeah, then we uh, then we went out to round one, which is a big ass arcade out there, and ran into Octopimp, Midna Ash, and uh, I have another friend who was also apparently has become like noteworthy on the internet, but I don't know his his handle. Who is it? <laughs> well, his jeez, now I'm blanking on his name too for a second. Holy shit! Uh, Spencer. His name is Spencer. Oh. That's, Maybe Spencer's Gifts, if you remember that. Yeah. Talk about a fucking throwback. Yeah. Whoop, it's your boy <laughs> with the throwbacks. I actually went to Spencer last year for Christmas presents. One of those. Oh, it's still open. Yeah, it's still open. The just, you know, being out of high school, it's just lost most of its novelty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, ran into them. We hung out and, you know, had a good time at the arcade. It's good times. That's good. Yeah. I've never been a fan of round one. Really? No. I, mean, I guess I'm not into arcade games like that. Sure. I fuck with bowling low key, but uh, like arcade games, too much sweating. I, I feel that. I feel that. I'm also like, I like round one because I like rhythm games and I like fighting games, of course. But none of the most recent fighting games are on arcade except for Tekken 7 and Gundam versus Gundam Extreme. Oh, that is true. They don't yeah. have that there though. Oh, they don't. At least they not that I to. saw. I mean, I, the last time I was there was like 2-3 years ago. Yeah. And the last time I went, I went with Tim Ho. Shout, Shout out to Tim. the government name. Yeah. Uh he was obsessed with that game. He still Damn, is. It, yeah, because a new <laughs> one's coming out, right? Uh, yes, I, it might be out. 
I know it's out in Japan. I don't know if it's out in the U.S. yet. Okay. But he keeps telling me to uh, to enter Evo with him because it's a partner game. So oh. he needs a partner. And I'm like, I'll enter. I don't know the game at all, but I'll enter. And he's like, nah, man, I, I need someone who actually knows how to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to win this bitch. God damn. He knows that you're pr- pretty adept at fighting games, so you'd probably be able to get good pretty quickly at it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've played it before. I just... It was mostly button mashing and like I kind of understand it's kind of like a mix between like it's a lot like armored core and a bit of virtual on but it also plays kind of I don't know if Dissidia was always like this but it, it the new one is Ooh. where like if a character dies it subtracts from the team's score yeah it's one of those mm-hmm. so you know mm-hmm. if if you want to be suiciding on them a lot, just pick a low score kind of guy. You know, it's <laughs> one of them games. Yeah. It's a fun game, though. Yeah, I enjoyed it when I played it. But the the difficulty, of course, being that I'm American in the game back when Thomas and Tim were playing it yeah. the most. Completely in Japanese. <laughs> yes. They have, an, they have another game, though, that's kind of a similar style. It's called Gunslinger Stratos. And... It's it's cool. So it's kind of like that same style of game where it's a big ass arena and you're you're going against other players or against computer. It's team based, but it's a really complex game. Like the controls are, you have two guns, and it, it uses light gun controls. But then it also has control sticks on each gun, and then it also has buttons on top of it like beyond just the triggers so like your thumbs are doing half the work like joysticks on the yeah where like the, where the hammer the would be okay and uh so you use those to move but on top of that you can also like link the two guns together so if you like you have them separate that's your small shots you put them side by side like link them together like that then it's your medium gun then you put them on top of each other and that's your big gun and then you got melee attacks oh, on top of that. You can dash. You can jump. It's super <laughs> complex. And this was the first time we ever saw it in English. So someone did the tutorial. And we're like, wow, this game's actually cool now that we know how to fucking play. <laughs> I bet. Holy shit, man. Yeah, there's so much shit that you would never know how to do. It, it makes a world of difference, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Your weekend was definitely a lot better than mine. Oh. I didn't do anything. All oh, right. never well. mind. I did. I did a lot of drinking. Hey. <laughs> oh. Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made, Chet. <laughs> it My was, God. Any, any mistakes that are worth sharing? Uh, I spent too much money. I spent probably like $200. Woo. Yeah. I'm assuming then you went out to drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went out uh, with an old coworker that I haven't seen. And we see each other like every six months or so. Mm -hmm. And it was a good ass time. But goddamn, your boy got (laughs) turned. I had, uh, I had. Okay, so one thing that I'm slowly realizing is San Diego is becoming a for sure liquor city. (laughs) like there are tons of breweries in san diego now i'm starting to see sake distilleries pop up yeah sake has definitely become more of a thing down here yeah yeah i'm totally fine with it too (laughs) same 100 percent. also i'm noticing a lot of meaderies huh yeah 
And I don't see a ton of wineries because I assume for wine you want to be where the grapes are being grown. Right. That's like like Temecula would be the best nearest place for that. Exactly. Where you have everything's on site, basically. Yeah. And there are also a lot of distilleries that have come up. Hmm. And one is Malahat, which a lot of the local breweries will buy their rum barrels or their bourbon barrels and age their shit or whiskey barrels, I should Mm -hmm. say, and age their shit in it. And then, you know, fucking sell their beer. Yeah. Uh, Whereas this distillery, the one that I went to in particular is just a dog shit distillery. (laughs) Like they only make, uh, they only make vodka and gin Okay. It's it's called You and Yours Distillery. Okay. And they, those are the only two things they make. And I, they make craft cocktails, which is cool. Like, anybody can make a fucking craft cocktail at this point. Like, it's not well, magic. Yeah. So, you take ingredients, add some liquor, it's a cocktail. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I had this, like, real, this real mystical rosebud drink, which was, like, rose extract and, like, some citrusy shit. Uh-huh. And it was a good... It was a good fucking cocktail for twelve dollars but i said like i could just live without this yeah prefer to have a beer yeah so we left that spot yeah probably the right call yeah but anyway there are a lot of there are a lot of i prefer malahat for the record their rum their rum that they have is fucking dope gonna have to try it out yeah i'll have to buy a bottle um i don't so the thing is with distilleries is they can't legally have like a ton of shit going on in their taste like quote unquote tasting room. Mm. So what ends up happening is this is what ended up happening when I went to Malahat. I went there with a friend of mine and the max they could service was four ounces. Hmm. So okay. they have probably about six different kinds of liquor and they all they just end up pouring you Little small, yeah, like half a shot. <laughs> yeah, like less than less than half a shot. All right, and you just got to sip on that. But if they were to open up a bar, like you and yours had, gotcha, they could serve cocktails and just give you straight shots of their shit. Gotcha. Yeah, interesting. But San Diego's a big liquor city. Yeah, uh, wait until they get them uh them open carry laws. <laughs> I'm doing the Birdman hands. If you can't visualize this, <laughs> dog, I would, I would. It would be a blessing to be able to drink out on the streets. Could you imagine the gas lamp, dude? It would be so lit. <laughs> I mean, I don't like going down a gas lamp, and it would probably smell more like piss than it does now. Yeah. God damn. I, I don't enjoy going down to the gas lamp largely because of the cost associated with it and the amount of fights that I've seen. Although. That's also part of why I enjoy going to the castle. <laughs> <laughs> it's no mystery. Oh yeah, no. Like, but man, <laughs> the the amount of turnt that people get in the gas lamp is it's it's a bit much at times. Yeah, yeah, it can be. But fuck it, whatever. I yeah. don't go down there. I don't go to PB either. Nah, I, I don't. I'd find just like drink deals and just like oh happy hour. I went to uh, Happy Hour at Tajima on Sunday. Dollar sake, two dollar beers. I can't argue with that. No, you can't. You fucking can't. <laughs> Who? If you argue with that, you're fighting somebody. Right? God damn. I mean, like, 
I felt like an alcoholic saying like, yo, give me five sakas. But it's like, that's five bucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are they serving them in the small, like five ounce ones or something? Uh, yeah. It's probably six. It would, if yeah, it's the small bottle, but it's a okay. dollar. Yeah. Yeah. 100% <laughs> worth it. Chet and I have two topics today. One is anime no hitojichi, anime hostage. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, excuse me. Anime no hitojichi. That, Beautiful. I, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. And uh, we also brought in another topic, uh, in, in, impactful anime or yeah. influential anime. In a lot of anime lives. today. Yeah. The whole lot of anime, but whatever. Yeah. Be all right. So let's, let's get it going. So, uh, I watched, I watched Vampire Homes (laughs) and, uh, okay. So I expected it to be bad. I I went into it expecting like, okay, this is going to be some dumb gag anime, whatever. This was a whole fucking other dimension of bad. Like, God damn, y'all. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. I'm oh so happy to hear God. that. I watched the whole series because 12 episodes are each like a minute of content. But holy shit, even that was a little bit difficult to get through. Okay, so <laughs> to explain some things. First of all, it has nothing to do with vampires. The entire story... <laughs> It's nothing to do with vampires. (laughs) Secondly, apparently this anime was created as a sort of... It's basically an ad for a mobile game. Oh. It's based on a mobile game. And all they're doing is like, hey, remember that mobile game that apparently did well in Japan? Well, we're going to make an anime about it. So it's the most low effort, low budget, holy shit, this is terrible anime I've ever seen. I'm so happy to hear that. It's, it's, it's like, it's so bad. I don't even know if it's even worth like showing to other people, you know, it's not, I don't even know if it crosses into like the so bad it's good territory. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's so bad. You just scratch your head and wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy to hear that, dude. Oh, dude, it's... Oh. I'm going to say you should check it out just because. But, like, the animation is real lazy 3D. And, like, a lot of it isn't animated at all. Where it's, like, just still frames of 3D. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it's super bad. Oh, my God. Couldn't even be bothered to move the mouths on the models. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like some of the some of the animation that they do is like four frames just repeated. Oh, <laughs> the whole thing fuck. just screams like no budget. And I mean, it kind of works for it. Like it's almost endearing in how bad it is. If the writing was better, I would excuse all of that. But the writing sucks on top of that. So now it's just trash. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you chose that. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) Good. Good. For my anime hostage, I watched MGTOW the anime, excuse me, Van Dredd. <laughs> if you've ever wondered what like society would be like if every man in existence was just like, I'm going my own way. I'm too red-pilled for women. Like This is literally the anime that, about that future. That's pretty much the exact premise, yeah. Dude, and so let me, let me explain. In a world that used to be known as Earth, 
or is known as Earth. I yeah, don't it's know. still yeah. Earth. Yeah, it's yeah. still Earth. So men basically get into a ship and fuck off from Earth, and women fuck off from Earth at the same time. Yep. But what they do is they start creating propaganda about each other, and like men's like propaganda about women is like, oh, they fucking eat your hearts or whatever. They'll rip out your heart and fucking snack on it right in front of you or whatever. And women, I didn't think they ever showed, well, in the episodes that I watched, they never showed like the propaganda from the women's side. Yeah, I know that like they were very mistrusting of the men, but they weren't. It, I don't think you ever see it. No, yeah, no. Well, anyway, this is this is basically like a, an all male society. At first, I was like, this is for sure Fujoshi bait. Oh yeah, yeah, because like it starts out on the men's planet, and I thought it was gonna spend more time there. No, it's real quick. Yeah, but they fuck off of there real quick and get into the space ladies yep. that are wearing like oddly baggy space outfits. Yeah, like when they board the ship initially, it was really weird. But the CG in the show, of course, it doesn't oh, hold yeah. up. It's bad. It's always it was, gonna be bad. I forgot there was CG integrated. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it looks like it was probably a really high budget anime when it first came out. It wasn't like crazy popular or anything, but it was, it was out there. You know, it wasn't like an unknown bullshit anime. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good. Yeah, I, I should have started by saying that it wasn't. It wasn't good at all. I, I watched about four and a half episodes and in the show, like once the fourth episode hits, that's after like the ships collide and start combining together Yeah, and the characters are like getting settled in. Mm-hmm. So the characters are basically completely settled at that point. And you can tell right there, that's when it gets into the non-serious, super monotonous parts of the show <laughs> where nothing's going to be happening until like episode 23. Yeah. And I, I'm glad I stopped watching when I did because it was fucking terrible. Yeah. I mean, looking back, like at the, when I was watching and I didn't really mind it, but looking back, that show was just really boring. Like it's, it's almost episodic because the, the, it's a really loose story from like episode five to get basically to 23 where, you know, some things happen. There are some climactic moments, but it's not as if anything consequential happens. Okay. Like in the middle of that. That that sounds about right. That sounds very right. And one 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 question one question that eluded me throughout the show was like how do these people make kids? Because like some of the most interesting facets of the society weren't touched on at all. Oh, there, there actually is touched on. They do explain that because one of the in factories, they say something about kids yeah, being made in factories and like how the women make kids. Yeah. So the, the women actually give birth, like they still do live births. Yeah. So it's, ah, I forget exactly what the process is, but it's basically in vitro fertilization kind of thing. Yeah. But um, not, they had, they didn't explain it for the men. Did yeah. They? No, they don't really touch on it. Just that it they're just incubated in some fashion. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't really go too much into that. Yeah. Now, one thing that is interesting that you won't even learn for a while is why the two societies split and what happened to Earth. 
I assume it was like to like, you know how back in the day they had like dojos and shit. Mm-hmm. Like it was like a husband and wife dojo. Yeah. And they got into a really bad fight once and they just said, <laughs> fuck it. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's exactly how they split. <laughs> <laughs> there were, uh, there were the two heads of a colony and uh, they're, they're now the leaders. They're actually still the leaders of each other's society. They're just referred to as grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. But earth is actually the bad guy. They're the main villain. Oh. Which is, to me was really cool. Uh, so everything they're fighting, like all the bug kind of like things, that's all Earth. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I forget exactly how Earth became like that, but they started using instead of like machines, they started doing like biological machines. And I, I don't remember exactly what happens, but I just thought it was really interesting. Like, oh, these are the bad guys. That's actually where you're from. Where they, I don't know if we're really bad guys now. That's dope. Yeah. That's actually kind of a cool premise. Yeah, that was one of the things I actually had to give it props for. But, uh, yeah, you don't find that out until, like, the very end. (laughs) Well, go figure. I did watch the dub. Oh, yeah, I think so did I. One of the women's names is Bosom. (laughs) Uh, But she says it Busam. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Let's see what else. I I took notes. I'm going through my notes now. The names in the show are fucking trash. I remember one of them was Bart. That's the only one I remember. Yeah, there's a Bart and Duello McFile. Oh, God, yeah. That, that's a name. That's a name. <laughs> that's a name. They gave a character, Duello McFile. Yeah. Fucking stupid. The, there's a lot of fan service in the show. Yeah. Like a shitload of it, and I don't like it. This, that sort of thing makes me kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there are a bunch of things in the show that could be interesting, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's that little shitty robot that Talk gets it. shocked or whatever and then suddenly reverts to, like, a previous version where he understands the customs of Earth and shit. Uh-huh. And, like, he he says to the kid, like, why aren't you being a gentleman? You know, you don't do this kind of thing to a lady or something <laughs> like that. And I was just like, how the fuck does this robot know that? Yeah. Like, how? Like, and that would be a more interesting story than the story that they're telling. <laughs> and the kid sucks. Like, the main character sucks. Yep. And, like, the, the society that they live in where there are, like, first-class citizens and third-class citizens, like, that hierarchy is also interesting. Like, why aren't you explaining that? Like there, there are a lot of things in the show that are like really could be really cool, but they kind of fuck it up and don't do anything with it. Yeah, that'll happen with a lot of uh, sci-fi kind of stuff, where they they build a cool world and only focus on one thing instead of what's actually interesting about this world. I wrote down as one of my notes, quote unquote, toxic masculinity, the <laughs> anime. Yeah. God. It's it's legit like an anime written by like virgins from our incel. Like it's really fucking crazy. It really is an incel fantasy. Like being surrounded by dudes all your life and then just being thrown into a sea of beautiful women. Young, beautiful, supple, healthy women. Healthy. healthy Very women. healthy. And so it's you and your besties just backstroking through the honeys <laughs> god yep yep very yeah that show mm-hmm. uh i mm, i would recommend watching probably like the first three and the last three yeah that yeah that's a pretty good way to do it you'd miss quite a bit of 
character development in between but oh, it doesn't really quote unquote character development yeah he accidentally not... touches a girl's titties and gets a boner for the first time i mean no, would he be even attracted to a woman yeah you yeah, know that's an excellent question i guess everyone on the planets are gay i mean like that would be my guess as far as society goes yeah like in towards the beginning in one of the first two episodes two dudes are talking to each other and they're like oh you want to make a kid with me like you like you got you want to make a kid with oh but they never explain how kids are made so i was just like well of course nobody's nobody's doing anything funny here (laughs) yeah yeah it would make a lot more sense if the dudes were just going after each other and the girls were sticking with each other yeah instead mm. of like some weird like attraction that none of heteronormativity. these heteronormativity yeah like nobody would have ever known that and then somebody's gonna hop in like somebody somebody somewhere has typed in the comment section after somebody made a remark like we just did and said you know it's the biological imperative for men to be attracted to women so even if they had never seen an actual woman in their entire lives they would know that they would be attracted to them because of biology and I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna search the internet until I find that comment. I'm sure I'm gonna, someone has some, some some asshole has written that shit somewhere, and I'm gonna find it. Well, anyway, good talk. <laughs> that does it for anime no hito Gigi. We'll we'll resume this next week. Yeah. Now, going on yes. to our final topic for today. Before we get into the interview, Chet's not here for the interview. By the way. I was gone. I was at round one. We're going to be talking about the animes that had an anime that had a high, heavy impact on our lives. Yeah. At some point in our life. Yeah. 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 So what was yours? So this kind of changed. Like it was whatever I was really, really into at the time. Uh, So, you know, first it was Dragon Ball Z where like if I was if if you were into Dragon Ball Z when I was in elementary school, we were friends. Like, that was just... If, if you fuck with Goku, we cool. Uh, then it was Yu Yu Hakusho. But the one that I would say really uh, did the most would be Fist of the North Star. Just uh, the power of manliness. Really? The power of manliness really uh, shaped my attitude. Because it's, it's a pretty common trope in Shonen for hard work and determination to be like the character's superpower and like you know you could do anything with the power of friendship just like one punch man (laughs) yeah um but yeah i don't know there was something about it that resonated with me for one i really liked the art style um especially in the manga the anime does a pretty decent job of it but you know it's from the 80s and you know some of that doesn't really translate as well, but the manga really got me. And I read that when I was in college, like pretty much smack in the middle of college. And it, it affected my art style. It affected uh, just like how I viewed problems. Like the hard work and determination trope doesn't really work the same way in this instance because you have people who had you know been sculpted their whole lives training for for these battles ahead of them but the one that got me the most was toki because like he's basically anime jesus (laughs) and no matter what happened he just took it and was just like yo 
This is what I got to do. This is this is my role. If I can't be the fist of the North Star, that's okay. You can have it, my little brother. Hey, you locked me up in prison for 20 years. Hey, you know what? It's going to get better. I'm going to wait for my moment to break out. Not until I need to break out while I break out. I don't know. It just taught me, it like made me think about like patience and just acceptance in a way that just hadn't really clicked before. Like, instead of getting pissed off about a bad situation, I would just say, okay, well, what can we do about this? And, you know, I would go through it with a more level head. And, you know, instead of trying to be more Jesus-like, I was trying to be more anime Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) That's good shit. Yeah, shout out to Toki, you the realist. That was also the, the... first manga i ever cried at did you really oh yeah i shed a tear nice let's say well it's a real good fight (laughs) (laughs) oh boy for me so much like you grew up on dragon ball z yu yu Hakusho, sailor moon yeah the classics the classics certainly and when toonami came around or rather Adult Swim came around. Mm-hmm. It opened up my eyes to a whole nother level of anime, right? Yeah. Because, like, though Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z aren't the same anime, they're similar. Sure. And same with the Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah. It's similar to those. One Piece is similar. Naruto is similar. But the, one of those things, one of the things that popped up when I was younger was Fully Cooley. Hmm. And that was like, this is if if we're making comparisons here, like I feel like Fully Cooley is the craft beer to the Coors Light of a One Piece or a Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, where it's it's not quite so accessible, but once you get it, it's yeah. yeah. Like it, it it was one of those things that like I just immediately gravitated towards because it was nothing like I had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And it was six episodes long, so it was already vastly different from everything yeah, else. Yeah. Because they managed to tell a nice, concise, like real story mm-hmm. in those six episodes. And it was one of the first things that I had watched that was emotionally charged like uh, not like dragon ball z where goku dies for the fifth time and you're like oh he gave his life fighting for the homies no this was like this this young woman mamimi's life is sad and it's horrible yeah naoto's relationship with his brother and his dad is sad and it's horrible yeah like these people's lives are fucking horrible and like it made me at least thankful for what I had back then. Mm-hmm. And it like, as far as like my taste in anime goes, it, that, that was one thing that definitely changed everything. Because if I had never seen fully coolly, I would probably be really into really shitty, poorly drawn <laughs> comedy anime. And like talking about, uh, whatever Bake Mono Guitari or whatever the <laughs> fuck, like being all into that. Or I could have been like a Homestuck fan Ugh. because like you, you and I both know that the animation in Dragon Ball Z was kind of dog shit. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Like Dragon Ball is uh, was actually kind of on point, but Dragon, Dragon Ball, Ball Z, better. yeah, Dragon like, Ball Z, oh jeez, like, it was bad. 
or at least in some spots. Yeah, no, that was one of the first times I was really acutely aware of repeat animation. Oh, yeah. Like, when I would see fight scenes, I'm like, they just did that. Yeah. <laughs> they, they just fucking did that, yo. And it would be the same shot over and over when, uh, when like, Goku or somebody was powering up. It would be a shot where it's, like, tilting up. Yeah. And then it would do it faster. Yeah. Like, it... I... God damn. And Fooly Cooly, like, I... That picture of Mamimi holding the cigarette that says Never Knows Best, mm-hmm. like, on my MySpace, I had that as my background. Hell yeah. Like, legit. Like, that was one of one of my favorite things that I'd ever seen. And to this day, it still holds up, and it's still very good. Yeah, actually, I just started rewatching that, funny enough. Uh, and, yeah, the animation in that is really really good yeah it's on point and like to a degree it spoiled me yeah because seeing that and expecting to see that right like you you see something like cowboy bebop Mm -hmm. the animation's not as good as fully coolie but it's still up there yeah it's still solid yeah like and especially if you watch the cowboy bebop movie the movie's very oh god the movie is so gorgeous yeah but like if you suddenly just go back to like dragon ball z or sailor moon it's like uh, it's a little rough this is bad this is not good at all and you know i just i just think that I mean, the the series definitely gets its credit. Like, it's not yeah, underrated yeah. by any means. And I would definitely recommend anybody watch it because it's, I mean, like, it's not going to have the same impact that it had on me when I was fucking, like, 13. Yeah. But it's going to, it, I mean, it's just good. It's a good watch. Mm-hmm. It's fucking, it's like, it's, it's like subtly sad. Yeah. God, it's not like overtly like, oh my god. Yeah, it's not depressing. No, but it's well, it could be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God. Yeah. And, and it's also short, so it's not even like a huge commitment if you want to just check it out. Exactly. And then fucking Naoto's brother starts dating a white woman. Oh. It's the problem when you move to America. There's so many of them here. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. I also completely unrelated, but we were talking about good animation. I recently rewatched bits of the opening from Thundercats. That was a really good opening. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. It's very well animated. Oh, did you see that post on Twitter that was going around of the Men in Black opening? No. So I don't know if you remember the cartoon, the Men in Black cartoon. <laughs> Man, I just I forgot that existed. <laughs> <laughs> there was somebody clipped out the opening of it, and it's so well animated. It's a good looking ass opening. No shit. Actually, uh, when I was talking with a friend about the Thundercats opening, apparently the thing to do in like the eighties and nineties was to farm out opening like title sequences to Japan. And have them animate it. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. So that's what they did for Thundercats, for Dennis the Menace, for... Uh, there, there was a bunch of them. I don't remember off the top. But yeah, if you go back and look, you could see like some of the animation style is a little different. Oftentimes for the better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. There's some, some good ass old cartoon openings. 
damn, I bet G.I. Joe was done in Japan, too. I think that was one of the ones that was named. Oh, hell yeah. I'll have to take a look. I'll bring in the article if I can find it. Yeah. Or put the article in the show notes if I can find it. Oh, SWAT Cats was another one. SWAT Cats was so ill. Yeah. I fucking love that show. That show was so good. Oh, my God. Did you Do you remember the crowdfunding they ca- campaign they did a few years ago? Yeah. Yeah. They made the money. I don't know what happened. To the show. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I'm pretty sure they hit their budget. Like, yeah. what, what came from that? Nothing. Yeah, nothing right. yet. Good shit. <laughs> well, I'll Google it and put it in the show notes. Yeah. Just a reminder for you folks, there are show notes. And for the most part, we put, or I put, everything that we talk about in there. Yeah. And if I miss something, just let me know. Like, if if you're listening to the show chat and you say, oh, he fucking missed this in the show notes, just let me know and I'll put it in there. Yeah, but that requires that I'm actually actively listening. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, that shit. That is like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> oh, god damn. Oh. Well, anyway, coming up next, we have the interview with me and Adam Klavik of Hyper RPG, Hyper Rabbit Power Go. I say it wrong in, in the show. Uh, they recently started doing the first playthrough of saban entertainment's power rangers tabletop rpg oh i just caught a bit of that on twitch oh you did yeah yeah good yeah that's uh that's the company he's working for cool so i don't think he's on the show himself but um the guy who played bulk is they in this week they have um the woman who played aisha Mm-hmm. From the second or third season of Power Rangers, when I they think had a third. black yellow ranger, yeah, the black yellow yeah, ranger, third season, yeah, yeah. So they have um, they have people come in and out. I they had one of the more recent blue rangers on the show. Mm-hmm. So I mean, check it out. All right, it's it's a good time. Well, here we go. Yeah. Adam is a content producer for Hyper Rocket Power Go. Hyper Rabbit Power Go. Excuse me. Hyper Rabbit Power hey, you Go. Got, the fact that you called it by its lengthy name is something that people don't do. <laughs> they don't refer to it to Hyper Rabbit Power Go. It's hy- They just call it Hyper RPG because it's all they see. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I Although I still messed it up. Hyper RPG. He's the con- or one of the many content creators yeah. there. And he is a friend of mine. That's right. Yes. We go way back like a receding hairline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like LeBron's hairline. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, shit. This podcast about to get shut down. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, I mean, if he's got the money to do it, right. I'll take it. All right. if, he, if LeBron walked in right now, kicked down that fucking door and said like, all right, here's a thousand dollars. No, no, he kicks, it, he kicks it down like the Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just puts a, puts a briefcase on the table. You're like, I'm done. I'm walking uh, away. Yeah. I'm good. I would walk away no yeah. explanation yeah exactly. shut down the discord the subreddit <laughs> shut it all down Fuck are you it. on discord yeah yeah oh nice yeah i mean it's not it's not something that's set up for like the patrons only sure it's just everybody can jump in that's awesome Enjoy yeah because we have one too oh yeah yeah we have it for all, we have one and then we have all the subdivisions for all of our shows okay that's yeah. what's up yeah so all right getting back to hyper rpg mm-hmm. like what is it exactly about hyper rpg that you would want to tell everybody about um well hyper rpg is an interesting so the 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 whole the way i got into hyper rpg was um i started doing superhero news in 2014 with hector and with augustine hector on the side was also doing stuff for another network and that was run by a guy named zach eubank 
And he got asked by Geek and Sundry to come start their Twitch channel. He started Critical Role. He started Felicia Day's Twitch channel. And through that, we sort of got put on board to do a show. We were asked, like, do you guys want to do a movie show live on Twitch? And I was like, I've never heard of the platform live. I'm terrified. I've never done that before. Like, we were only a few months into doing our show on YouTube, which obviously it's all pre-recorded and cut. So if I sound like an idiot, I can get rid of it. But live, it's like, you got to come and perform. Like, you got to be on your game. Um, so we came and we did that and they really liked it. We stayed there. And then Zach ended up going off to Seattle and he started Hyper RPG, um, which is more or less an, an interactive sort of um, a very community driven interactive channel uh, that mostly kind of leans into Twitch and they do tabletop RPGs. Now, over the last year and a half, it's really evolved. We, Miyagi and Hector came in, we started bringing superhero content to their channel and we've kind of taken over the YouTube channel and we have a few other people helping us produce, you know, movie reviews, trailer reactions, all kinds of stuff. But sort of the bulk of the work is on Twitch where we have a bunch of content that we do. It's like 60 hours a week of content. Every day we have a new show. We just partnered up with Saban Brands. About, oh, shit. About, yeah, we, we've been working on this project for about two, three months, but it just premiered. I think it's been about two weeks now. I think we're going to do episode four this Tuesday, um, but we're doing an official Power Rangers tabletop RPG. It's called Power Rangers Hyperforce. Um and that's been going really, really well. We've got some really cool people on the show. We have Andre Blacknerd, Andre Meadows from YouTube, um, Strawberry17, Christina V, Pauly Schreier, who played Bulk in the original Power Rangers. Nice. He plays the Yellow Ranger. Um, one of the, the first guests that we had was Aaron Cahill. She was in Power Rangers Time Force. She played the Pink Ranger. And this week we have Karen Ashley coming on who played Aisha in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That's what's up. So it's it's cool. That show's really cool because it's the, the characters can kind of jump through time. So it allows us to revisit these past Power Ranger eras and bring in guests. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a lot more people on. But the cool thing that I like about Hyper is that it allows people like me to go in there and really have a voice, a creative voice, and I can help them create content and they really support me. And they support me, Augie, and Hector to do our show every week. And it just feels really collaborative. Super collaborative. It's like if it's like being in... A, it, I mean, it literally is being in a house and you're just there with your friends and you're like, what's something fun that we can do this week? And that's basically what we do. One thing that I really enjoy about doing this podcast is the fact that there's nobody ever that'll tell me like, yo, you can't do this or you need to do it this way. And it's just so freeing to be able to have like a creative outlet to be able to basically do whatever the fuck you want. hundred percent. And I think that's, that's the key to success. When you get to a point where you don't have to answer to anybody, you are your own boss. You decide what you want to do. That's when you know that you're in a place, you know, and it's tough because sometimes you have to kind of separate the physical place that you're in and sort of think about the creative place that you're in and forget about everything else. You know, you may not have the coolest car. You may not be in the most like the most sort of, I don't know, comfortable financial spot, whatever it is. But the fact that you at least get to have that one thing that you own, that you have 100% control over, that you can create on a weekly basis or daily basis, however often you choose to do it, is so freeing. Yeah. It's when, therapy. When you're younger, it doesn't really make that big of a difference because right. like, you're not really doing a ton of shit of consequence when you're younger. Right. It's just like, I mean, like you live day to day doing whatever the fuck you want, but as soon as that's taken away from you, it's kind of like every day you're striving to get there. Totally. It's really, it's really kind of a weird phenomenon, but yeah. I mean, either way, 
you're having fun. I'm oh, having yeah. fun. It's a great time. Totally. Yeah. No, it's it's fun. And we we talked about it before we started recording of I moved into the studio. I live there now. You know, I lived about 10 minutes away in Glendale, 15 minutes away in Glendale. Had my own little place, a tiny little room. Part of It was like a part of a three-bedroom, three-bath place. My roommates were super, super cool. We did all of our stuff um, out of my room for the longest time. But I was like, you know what? I need something else. I'm starting to feel constricted creatively because I'm in this small little square room. How do I branch out? Like, I need something bigger. I need to have more flexibility. I need help, essentially. Because trying to create as much content as, like, people try to create, it's really tough to do it alone. Dude, um, creating yeah. content in itself, like, never mind doing it alone. Even if we're, you're doing it with a big party, yeah. it's still difficult. It's 100%. Oh, man. there There's so many different things, like, that go into it that nobody really thinks about until it's time to think about and it. And the, the one thing that people do not think about, or I would say the top two things, is time and money. And, and I think that's... To me, that's one of the problems with a lot of sort of the way the culture has been kind of raised on the internet is they kind of expect a lot of things to come at free, at no cost. And that's one of the pitfalls of YouTube is people assume that because YouTube now has sort of this partnership thing that they've opened up to everybody, they assume that you get sort of unlimited access to all of the perks of having ads on your content. And it's like people don't realize that unless your content is generating millions of views, you are not earning anything. I mean, how many content creators were actually accepted into the partnership program when it started in 2010, 2011? There were, I don't know, two handfuls of people. You know, like you had those Fred, the Freddie W's, the Quarter Digitals, the the Epic Meal Times. Like it was so limited back then. You know, Mister um, Guitar Man. A lot of people that like I don't even know what they're up to nowadays. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I'm so curious what they've been doing for the last six, seven, or for the last few years that I haven't watched them. But to me, that's that's the interesting part. Is like now that YouTube sort of opened it up to everybody. It's great because it gives everybody an opportunity, but also it's the same thing like what happened when DSLR cameras came out. It oversaturated the market with content, and now you are fighting tooth and nail to get your to get your content up to the top. And it's tough. It's really tough. I live with the I live with these regrets every day, and I try to push them out of my head. And I'm like, I can't do that. Can't live in regret. I can't think about seven years ago. I mean, yeah, when it was ten years ago. Now, uh, our friend Chris Reimer who we worked with that legend who lives back up in LA now, we created one of the original, as far as I know, it's one of the original um, web series on YouTube. We did Villains, the hero spinoff show. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like, I remember that. Yeah, I think, didn't, didn't you come on set a couple times, maybe? Yeah, you guys filmed in my apartment, like yes, when I was that's living right. on Mahila. That's right, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we did that, and it's, it's just tough because, like, it requires... A consistency, it, it requires like a mental sort of commitment. And when you're, when you're 19, 20 and you're back in 2007, the iPhone had barely come out. It was out for a few months. Um, YouTube was kind of taking off, but not sort of in that way. Um, you kind of fall, like I think people who are born around my, between like 85 and 90, they're the people who like, didn't really know what was going to be the next big thing because it hadn't been established yet. And we were too young to sort of see, to predict the future. Whereas people who are older than us, they saw the potential of things like YouTube and like the dot coms and all that kind of stuff. So they could sort of invest in that and know that they'd be in a good place because they could read the business better. Like we didn't, I mean, I didn't know how to read the business. I never knew that. No, nobody like when 
I mean, all right, I'm going to go out on a limb and say yeah. nobody fucking knows how to read the business ever no. until the business is started. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody would have predicted that two kids from Ohio, Jake and Logan Paul, would be tearing it up on YouTube today. Like, no. nobody would have predicted that at all. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's, it's the notion is kind of weird to me that totally. like anybody would be able to predict what kind of business would be happening no. through YouTube. Yeah, and, and it's and it's so tough, and it, and it even goes beyond that. It, I mean, it's it's Apple and the iPhone, and it's it's Instagram and it's Snapchat and it's Facebook and it's all these things. And it's like if you're if you were part of maybe a little bit older, if you're a few you're a few years older than we are, then maybe you could have sort of had like your hand your hand or your foot halfway in. But other than that, like we were in this weird point where everything was like on the brink of happening. But, you know, we're young. We couldn't invest in it. It was not something that we could just do. Now, all these kids who are born anywhere after 1995, 96, I mean, they really like all these things are established. So they have that opportunity because they're younger. And maybe if they're if they're lucky enough, like they live at home, they don't really have those responsibilities like we did. Or like we do now as because we're older. So they have that ability to be more creative at a younger age and kind of get into it quicker. So it's it's tough. It's tough. Like, I, I mean, I, there's so many days where I'm like, man, seven years ago, we already knew the type of content that we wanted to create. And we just sat on it because we thought like, what if, what do we do if YouTube doesn't work? Like, is there going to be other opportunities, other platforms? But then like all, now content and video is like, that's king. Yeah. It's, it's. The fault of us yeah. for hesitating, period. Totally. We should have just jumped in and said, fuck it. Yeah, exactly. Win or and lose. It's binary. It's ones and zeros. It's like, you're going to lose 100% of the shots you don't take. Exactly. That's, exactly. And that's that quote, and I know it's said by so many people all the time, it is a fact of life. It's, it's basically open jumpers. Mm-hmm. It's it's all open jumpers. If you if you don't take the shot and you're open, then you fucked up. Yeah. Just period. You could have made a three-pointer or you couldn't have, but you won't know if you don't do it. Exactly. Especially if you're wide the fuck open. Mm-hmm. Now, if there are life circumstances in your way equating to somebody who's trying to block your shot or somebody who's in your face, or if you're taking a bad shot or whatever, that's different. Right. But if you're open, you're open. If you have a smartphone, you're open. And that's the thing, man, is like, as I crack open, another beer. Um, and that's the thing. Now, we, we live in a time now. I mean, I'm looking over. You have this black magic camera. It's a thousand dollar camera, but God, man, that thing fits in your pocket. Yeah, you can take it anywhere, and it's like, and a lot of times people look at it like, yeah, but the battery life and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, doesn't matter. Even if you don't use that, we all have a computer in our pocket. We all have a computer in our pocket. This thing, I eat, sleep, shit, breathe with this thing. It's like it never leaves my side, and the the cameras on these things are so sophisticated now. There's no reason for you to not be shooting content. There's no reason. Never. All you never. need is a little gimbal to stabilize it. They have, they now have lightning cable uh, microphones that you can hook into it. It's so easy to make content. It's like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's rid- like, God damn it, it's so easy. Content can come in any shape or size. Now, if anybody listened to the last episode, was content, content. Yeah. I'm out here trying to produce content, fam. <laughs> that's, that's me. That's me right now. Yeah. And it's difficult because... I don't like the one of the things that I struggle with, and this is me standing at the free throw line yeah. trying to take a shot. I've got a free throw, and it's like, do I take the shot or do I just say fuck it? And it's always 
the answer is always yes. You take the shot. 100%. But it's the question that has always been for me, like, what audience is this going to attract? Like, how do you do the marketing for your shows? Are you afraid of failure? No. No? <laughs> no. That, truthfully, it is a fear of mine to fail. And, and I think that's part of the problem, too, is I think sometimes there are things that I know can do well, and I don't know how to execute, and a lot of it is the marketing aspect of it, so I don't do it. And it's that fear, that fear of, like, well, if it doesn't do anything, I've wasted people's time. It's like, no, you got to just do it. And if you fail, you learn from your failures. You know this. You were on our movie set of Delta Zulu. Oh, shit. Seven yeah. years ago. This feature film. This was a very fucking ambitious thing that we did. It was stupid. But it was the best stupid. Because we learned so much from it. We tried to shoot a 20-minute feature film. Two weeks before we started shooting it, it turned into a 45-page script. We went full feature. Because our friend told us, don't do a short film that's 20 minutes. They won't watch it at the film festival circuit. It's too long. Because they can only fit so many in. Just go a full-blown feature. And it killed us. It really killed us. It killed us in every way. It killed us financially. It killed us mentally and physically. Um, it's a project that never got done, sadly, because I think conceptually it's a really cool thing. But then, you know, by 2011, 2012, you had Walking Dead and you had World War, World War Z and all these other zombie things. So it's like you kind of miss you kind of miss the gate. Um, and that's the thing is like the marketing thing. I know we had a conversation about it. You, you had text me and you asked me, like, how do I how do I market? How do I market? It's tough. It's a lot of experimentation. It's you have to really the biggest thing that I've learned in the last year, year and a half, two years is you have to treat every single platform like they are their own network. You can't you can't apply the same thing on YouTube to Instagram, to Facebook, to Snapchat. You really have to look at them individually. And if you treat the internet like a network, these are your channels. You know, and I know that even on YouTube, there are people who create multiple channels based on the multiple things that they do. Yeah. Real thirsty to get into that nerd shit. Let's talk about something that came out recently. What do you think of Stranger Things? Yeah. Do you think that on Netflix for Stranger Things, they're just going to cut it off at a certain season and then bring it back like 15 years down the road with the same people? Or do you think they'll just try to recast down the road? I... So, as of right now, as far as I know, they want to do four seasons. Mm-hmm. And I know Netflix asked the Duffer Brothers to shoot three and four back-to-back because they were afraid of the kids getting older. And the Duffer Brothers said, who cares? Let them get older. It doesn't matter. But I would love it if Stranger Things went away. And then in 10, 15 years, 20 years, maybe maybe 10, 10 to 15 years, they said, we're going to do a reunion season of Stranger Things and bring back everybody. I would love that. I'm not okay. really... I don't know. I, I don't... That sort of a show, because of the chemistry that those actors have sort of developed within their group, and not just the kids, all of them, I don't know if I would want to see another cast. I'd rather just wait, like the Star Wars thing. Just wait. Yeah. Just wait. I don't need it now. Yeah. I'll be happy with four seasons. To get four seasons, and then to wait 15 years and maybe get a bonus, let's do it. That'd be sick. (sighs) I'm all for it. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Perfect. It's fucking perfect. Yeah. Oh, what a man. good season, though. Did you watch it? Yeah, I did. Did you I, like it? You know, honestly, the more that I think about it, yeah. the the worse I feel about the season mm. as a whole. Mm. Because, like, there were some things that I was really fucking with yeah. and, like, some things that I wasn't. Like, for instance, Eight. Like, I right. can't remember her name. But, like, including her in the season at sure. all, mistake. Her and her merry band of fr- fellows. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
could have just cut all that I know, out. I know episode seven is very controversial, and I know a lot of people don't like it. I, I completely understand, and I think most people understand like what they were trying to do. They were trying to world build. I just feel like they did it at the wrong place. I think if maybe they would have started, if they would have just started that season with that whole episode and then found a way to sort of tie Eleven's story and without it fe- like well, without having her to actually leave Hawkins and do all that stuff, then I think that could have been interesting. Like I mean, I even like the teaser at the beginning of the show to just be like, oh, this is different. Yeah. And then maybe find a way where we can revisit it in a way that's not... That doesn't take away from like they put they put they hit pause on that story to go to Pittsburgh or wherever it was and it's like yeah why did you do that that late in the game couldn't you have maybe interwoven the story where these four misfits have to sort of like leave Pittsburgh and maybe they end up in Hawkins or something it didn't need to be that far away from Hawkins it could have been <clears throat> in Indianapolis sure right yeah like and also what could have happened is they could have started with. Uh, or at least worked in L running away from the lab or right. uh, coming out of the upside down and then stumbling into them right. and work them into the story that way, yeah. right? But, I mean, they did what they want because right. they're popping, right? You do what you want when you're popping. Right. But essentially... Duffer Brothers answer to nobody now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because that show is so good. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not saying that I don't like the show. Sure, it's sure. just that I like it less. It has its flaws. More. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad. No, no, I no. definitely recommend it to everybody. Well, it's the funny things, you know, talking about things that, that are good but not bad. It's like when I went to go see Thor Ragnarok, I didn't love the movie like everybody else. And I said, like, look, I don't love this movie like everybody else. I liked it a lot and I would totally recommend it. So many people were like, well, how come you don't love this movie? And I'm like, because I don't love it. I like it. Like, it, and that's the thing. It's like, some things in life are very are binary. They're ones and zeros. And some things like there is flex. Like you can have flex in certain things. With entertainment, it's like you don't have to love it. You can like it. You can hate it. You can maybe not like it that much. But like you have a lot more flexibility and control. So one of the things that I had an issue with with Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. is it felt like two movies in one. Kind like, of, yeah. They were trying to go for two different tones, right? Like, they were trying to go for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, oh, we're having fun. Ha ha. This is a good time. Yeah. And then go into, like, dark brooding right. thing. Right. And it was just like, okay, I see what you're doing here. Yeah. But that doesn't work. But I have to ask you mm-hmm. two things that I really fucked with in particular. I mm-hmm. want to get your opinion on. One, the ending fight between Hela and, like, the fire guy. Right. Like, Surter. Surter. The fire demon. Yeah, when she came out of the water right. and was like just throwing shit at him. How'd you feel about that? I think that, that and that's kind of the, my, those are my bigger issues with Thor Ragnarok is Ragnarok literally means the end of all things. And I didn't really feel like the stakes were high enough. Really? And I get what people say when they're like, well, but it's not about Asgard. It's about the people. And I'm like, I 100% get that. And Hela is this formidable force. She is all powerful. I get that. But when the Warriors three are killed, shouldn't I care? Yeah, that's true. Shouldn't I give that's a fuck? True. <laughs> I mean, Asgard, we've been to Asgard in every single movie. That rainbow bridge has become such a part of what what Asgard is. And some of those things, like Asgard just gets destroyed. And I'm like, okay, where was Sif? Why no Sif? You know, Warriors three are, are just kind of like one and done. They're 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 dead. I think that was my big thing. Is like if you're gonna build up Ragnarok to be this end of all things, and it sort of ends in a place where I'm like, it's good, but I 
like I don't feel any remorse for the loss that has happened. I don't know. I don't know. People and people people tell me that my opinion is wrong because, you know, they very much set it up in a different way. And I'm like, that's just the feeling that I got from it. I can't help that. You know, the funny thing is like I agree with you. Like the movie itself doesn't remind you of the Warriors three. Like right. it just they just kind of are there right. and then they get killed. Yeah. And it's just like, well, Am I supposed to like you're not giving me a reason to remember these characters and right. then give a fuck about them? And, after that's, remembering and to me, them. that's a huge loss because in Thor the Dark World, first of all, I don't like that movie. I think it's the weakest Marvel movie and I don't remember it. So to me, the Warriors three that I remember are from the first Thor. They were supporting characters. They very much cared about Thor. Those were his homies. All of them. All I mean, even including Sif. Like that was mm-hmm. his that was his home. That was his home girl. You know, like. So to go into Ragnarok and just kind of see these characters get killed off and there's no Sif and no explanation, it's kind of like, okay. <laughs> it's, I, mean, and, I mean, and there are a lot of things in that movie that work. Like, I don't want to make it sound like I, didn't, I don't like the movie because I like it a lot. There are a lot of things that do work. And I think some of the stuff, the comedic stuff where Taika Waititi really nails it, it works. It works so well. I, you know, to be honest with you, I really hated Taika Waititi's character. Like oh, Korg? The, yeah, the the, the rock very super straight man character yeah. who's never actually telling a joke, but he's always telling jokes. Right. Like I hate that character archetype. Yeah, I've always hated it. Yeah, because it's like it's almost like I don't know. It seems insulting to me because it's all easy jokes. Right. But you know, like oh, we're making these jokes, but we're not making these. You know jokes. what's funny that you bring that up? So I have a friend who lives in Australia. He's a filmmaker. And I, I think he worked on Ragnarok. I could be, I could be wrong. Either, either he did, or I know his friends did. But he talked to a lot of people who went, who went over to work on that movie, or who were in Australia and went over to New. I think they shot in was it Australia or New Zealand? Ooh, I'm not sure. I can't remember. In any case, you know, there were some people from New Zealand that were that were working on the movie because you know, a Taika is Kiwi, and th- some of those people were actually kind of insulted by Korg because it made it the way that he plays it is sort of and this is this is what my friend told me he plays in a way that makes kiwi people look dumb because mm-hmm. it's a little bit of that thing of like i'm making a joke but i don't know i'm making a joke sort of thing and i look kind of dumb Whoa. and i kind of get that but the same, like it's so hard for me to it's hard for me to to agree with that opinion because i'm not from new zealand yeah. i don't know i don't know that society in terms of sort of their personality if maybe maybe you're right like there's something about being kiwi right. that mm. expresses something in that character that makes kiwi people seem dumb mm-hmm. but like i don't think the average person's going to be able to tell the difference between an australian accent and sure. a kiwi accent well yeah right? that was the thing i i watched the movie and like there is comedy that i think is like it feels a little forced with Korg in particular, I never really got the sense of like, God, Jesus, this character is an idiot. No, like, never. I never got that impression. Never. It was like, Same. he was the type of character, and a lot of the other characters are like, we're making jokes, let's be funny, haha. And I'm like, well, it hits, it hits 60% of the time for me. Some of the other, maybe, maybe even more actually, maybe more like 75%. And 25, I'm like, ah, I didn't need this joke in here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's mostly how I feel about Korg. Yeah. It's just like useless jokes. Like right at the end where he's holding right. the dead body. It's right. Like, oh, he's alive. Right. Oh, isn't that? Oh, he's. Oh, cool. 
Right. It's just like I didn't need that joke. I don't like most of the jokes are. Th- that's exactly how I feel. Like, oh well, I didn't need this. I when I when that movie started, I already knew. I got, I got a feeling um, that I was gonna be. I was gonna question how much I liked the movie because in the very beginning, when Thor is talking to Surtur and he's chained up and he's spinning around, and he's like, oh oh, hang on, hang on, yeah. spinning around. Hold on, one moment, you know. And then he does it again. I'm like, the first time, fine have the joke but the second time i'm like now we're slowing down the story let's yeah. go let's move like let's get to it like and there are other like i love the reenacted theater of thor the dark world with like matt damon sam neill and luke hemsworth i think that's great like <laughs> that was pretty good that some of like that type of comedy i'm into it because it's not necessarily moving the story forward but for the audience who maybe forgets dark world it's a little bit of a recap it's a little funny and it introduces us to sort of who Odin is at that point. And then we later find out, like, I mean, we know it, but Thor realizes, oh, it's Loki. It's been Loki this whole time. Yeah. So, like, those sort of comedic moments are great. I actually really liked Thor and Hulk. I I wasn't a fan of Hulk. Like, really? him acting like a toddler the entire time. Sure. Like, which, I, which, I understand why they did it. Yeah. But it's just like, uh, they should have tried to pick a different like motif or right. like, uh, character archetype for sure. Hulk here. Yeah, yeah. How does uh, how does Dumb Joe feel about Justice League? Ooh, uh, be, I'm excited to see Be it. careful. I'm excited Tread to lightly see on this topic. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, man, I've been a DC stan since I was a kid. Like, oh, me too. Since it, 89. Dude, it's, the fucked up part is like, you know, like people shit on DC comics, and like I don't think Marvel is much better, right? Because I think right now DC Comics is killing. I haven't read in a while. The I I like a lot of the New Fifty Two, but the Rebirth stuff, the stuff that I've read, is great. And now they're bringing in the Watchmen. Okay, which okay. is very interesting. I'll have to keep an eye out. Yeah. Go go pop by a comic shop. And go you get should. Yeah, um, I've really enjoyed the Wonder Woman comics. Superman. Oh, you know what? The new Fifty Two Wonder Woman's art style. Yeah, fucking clicked with me immediately. Yeah, I can't remember why I stopped reading. I like. I guess I stopped reading all comics after. Here's same time. the thing. I love comics. I love. Like, I think they're they're a beautiful piece of art. It is very fucking hard to keep up with them. Yeah, I don't have the time. Unfortunately, you just got to get an omnibus at you the do. end of an arc. You do. You absolutely. You either. Yeah. You either get the omnibus or you get the uh, the just get the trades. Yeah. I, I can't read individual comic books. Give me all of it or give me none of it. It's. Yeah. I just. I can't. I don't have that time. And like Hector, God bless him. He reads anything and everything he can get his hands on, whether it's a graphic novel, a single issue, a trade paperback. I'm like, bro. When, when we get through this Watchmen era of Rebirth, then I'll go back and I'll buy the trades and I'll read everything. And I'll go on a vacation and I'll read something in a weekend. I cannot do individual comics. It's just too much. Yeah. They've got eight different Batman comics. At least at one point they did with the New 52. They had yeah. Batman, Detective Comics, Batman such, such and such, Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl. It's like, Batman fuck, Inc. man, I'm overloaded. Batwing, Bat, Bat everything. Yeah, it's like Batcar, Batdog. Yeah. Why can't you just have action comics, detective comics, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green, like 
why do we need eight different versions of the same character? Just give me one. Got to get paid. Got to get as much money as possible. And I get it. I get it. But now it's like, now they're doing all these superhero movies, these TV shows, and it's like, your money comes from other places. Yeah. And with DC, I get it's different because they're owned by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers probably fronts a lot of the money to make these movies. I don't know. Maybe you got to work out some sort of a new deal. I don't know. But yeah, I'm seeing Justice League tomorrow, actually. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've heard, I've heard that from from the people that I know that I've seen it. And I I I trust their opinions. They say it's it's kind of middle of the road, but erring on the side of being actually pretty good. Okay. So the thing that always has upset me about the Zack Snyder movies yeah. is the over reliance of CG. Right, like you leave the Nolan verse and then go right into CGville. I got bad news for you, bud. <laughs> oh, is that what this is? Well, yeah, like Justice League is is from obviously from the trailers, but also from what people have told me, it's extremely reliant on CG effects. And because Joss Whedon came in, took over, and reshot a lot of the movie, there are parts where they intercut stuff that's been reshot on set and they obviously have to go in and comp the backgrounds out and all that kind of stuff it stands out and i've oh. been i've been getting in arguments with people on twitter for the last two weeks and people are yelling at me telling me that i'm an asshole because i'm calling out you know these things that are not noticeable and i'm like look man i worked in visual effects for five years i understand that i have a very keen eye for these sort of things but god damn it when people are responding to me on twitter and saying like what's up with the weird comps it stands out. And to Zack Snyder's credit, if he was a cinematographer, he would be a fucking amazing. I, th- I, and maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just giving him too much credit at this point. I, but I think if he were to be become a cinematographer, he could be an Oscar contending cinematographer because of how he, how he compose, like how he composes shots. He's got, yeah, definitely. He sort of has that. He's a very artistic guy. Very, and I don't think he gets enough credit for it. The problem with him, though, is that he does like because he's directing the photo, right. the the shoot as well. Yeah, uh, he settles on like too much masturbatory shit. Yeah, like Batman versus Superman, right. the shot of the gun breaking the pearl necklace, right. and it's right. like, all right, dog, like we okay, get we it. get it. We've seen them get killed like endless times, and it's like you don't need. And yeah, it's it's that, and I I argue with so many people online, and I get it. If you like Zack Snyder, you should like Zack Snyder. Like I like some of his, like I I'm one of those people who really likes Watchmen. I like Man of Steel. I like Dawn of the Dead. You know what's funny is I don't know anybody who actually disliked the Watchmen movie. Really, that was like the first superhero movie that was like widely accepted by people. Well, I mean, he basically did it shot for shot. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you don't like the movie, then you must not like the graphic novel. The biggest change he I mean, he makes some little changes, but the biggest one is the ending. And to me it's like, well, yeah, he made it a bit more realistic. Like in the comic book it's kind of outlandish. You know, and it's like I I get it. 300 the same thing. He basically just adapted that graphic novel. And I but I think I think the down, not the downfall, but I think what he's done is because of how people sort of and I was now that I'm thinking about I was actually in the panel the Comic-Con panel for 300 back in 2005. But I think the corner that he sort of wrote himself into is 
because of the reception of 300 and how much people loved it and all people talked about was the style of it the style the style the this the this he's now taken that and applied it to all of his movies you know he did it with Watchmen Watchmen it still kind of worked because it's such a stylized comic but then he applied it to Man of Steel Batman versus Superman there's a little bit of it in Wonder Woman um, but it's also obviously in Justice League and it's like you got to adapt your style for the project. Like you have to understand. And with Nolan, it's different because Nolan applied a very real world approach to Batman. It was so good. It was. I mean, like I wasn't a fan of the first or third movies, okay, but I respected the consistency throughout. Right. And it's like the dark Knight was my shit like that. Like the, the, the scene of the hospital exploding. Oh yeah. Or even, even when the truck was flipping in the street, right. I was just like, yo, this, this is the Batman movie I've wanted to see right now to be completely fair. It's more difficult to do a Superman movie, oh. a man who can fly and lift basically the planet over his head. It's more difficult to do that sort of thing. So, like, you would expect it to rely more on CG or make it less realistic. Of course. Like, of course you would. Like, there's no reason why you wouldn't. Right. Right. But the 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 shots, the colorization of the shots, and like how everything basically i guess the color is most most of my problem yeah and i mean look superman is big and bright and hopeful and inspirational and you're supposed to aspire to be as good as him that's what superman's all about and i think people just don't understand who superman is Superman's biggest dilemma in life is that he can't save the cat falling out of the tree and the woman in the building burning the burning building at the same time. He has to make a choice. One of those two people is going to die. And being the most powerful human being in the or most powerful being in the world, that's tough. That's mentally and physically very exhausting. I mean, in the first original Superman movie, he says that at the funeral of his father, he says I have all these powers and there's nothing I could do. I couldn't save my father from a heart attack. I mean, that's his yeah. dilemma in life. It's like he cannot be at two places at once. And, and I feel like movies have not played with that enough since the 78 movie. You know, he had to stop two nuclear missiles, but at the same time, Lois is being sucked underground and essentially gets killed. They fix it by having him turn the world back, which is dumb. But <laughs> like that yeah, movie has yeah. its own history of problems as to why they did that. Um, but it's, it's like Superman is a tough character to pull off. And, you know, I, I, for, I, for the most part, liked his portrayal in Man of Steel. There are certain things and certain choices that they made that I thought, uh, I don't know. Like Jonathan being sucked up by a tornado. I would have almost preferred that happening and Superman not being there or Clark Kent not being there. Because in reality, what would Clark have done? He would have saved his father. Yeah. He would have said, fuck it. I don't care if these people see me. But he's faster than a speeding bullet. So, like, would those people really have seen, like, would they have seen him? Probably not. Granted, he's still developing his powers. He doesn't have the ability to fly, so sure. But I think that's sort of the the pitfalls of of that movie is like, oh, we got to do it differently than the Donner movie. Fair. You don't want to remake the same movie, but you got to do it creatively. You got to figure out a way to do it that creates scenarios for Superman to do the things that he should be doing and still have consequences. Like... What happens in Man of Steel? I thought that Batman versus Superman should have started with him in front of the in front of the 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 uh, the Senate hearing, explaining to people like 
this is who I am. This is who I want to be. This is what I'm trying to, this is the symbol that I'm trying to represent on earth. And instead they just dragged him through the mud. Yeah. And he wasn't allowed to be hopeful. He wasn't allowed to be the one person in that movie who said, fuck it. I'm going to do the right thing no matter what, because that's who I am. Yeah. The, the problem that Zack Snyder had, at least with the character of Superman, is that he was dark and brooding rather than the world around him being dark. And like, if you he, nailed if, it, if he himself was constantly hopeful throughout the entire movie, despite what happened. Okay. So the, the Senate hearing blows up. All right. Well, I have hope. And like his father dies. I have hope right. because like, this is what my father wanted me to have. Yeah. Like if he was hopeful throughout the entire series, like, I don't think I would have had a problem with no. it, but because he was like, Oh, like stop being Batman around right. the city. Stop doing that. This is bad. Like if he was like, next time your signal shines, don't go there. Exactly. Like if, like you're threatening <laughs> people now. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> if Come he, on. If he wasn't threatening people, if he was just like kind of like, look, I I understand what you're doing right. here. Like I need you to stop. Batman should have been the one to tell him, next time you see a cat in a bur- in a burning in a burning building, don't go there. Nobody wants you. Yeah. You know, like, like Batman you, you, should have been the asshole exactly. in all of their interactions. Exactly. Exactly. I know. And and it sucks because I get that people want to like that movie. I get it because DC is in the beginning was like stumbling and finding its way. You cannot look at the box office numbers. You can't even honestly look at the scores that critics gave it. You have to literally just look at the movie and say, why doesn't this work? Why didn't audiences react to this movie or why did they react to it negatively? What was it about the movie? And in the comic books, yes, there are so many iterations of Superman. He's killed in the comics before, but there are huge consequences for it in the comic books. Yeah, there are huge consequences. He basically isolates himself. He shuts himself off from the world because he realizes that, like, to do this is against everything he's been taught. So it's hard. And like, I, I've heard things about Superman's role in Justice League, and I'm like, great. It sounds like they heard, they finally listened to people that said, like, we don't want a fucking super. We don't want this superhero to be so fucking dark and brooding. We live in a world that's like that. I don't want to go to the theater and watch reality in capes. I want to go to the, like, that's why I think that's why people have really come to love the Marvel movies. I think that's why they love Captain America because despite everything bad that's happening, Captain America is, they let Captain America be the guy who's like, well, gee, I'm that guy from the thirties or the forties. Like they let him be Captain America. They don't try to change him. Sure, he goes through a lot more like darker, deeper shit in these movies, a lot more emotional stuff, which is a great evolution for that character. At the end of the day, Captain America will always do the right thing because he's a man of the people. To me, that's what Superman is. It doesn't matter that he doesn't wear a red, white, and blue shield. It's the fact that like his symbol is a symbol of hope, and he should be that thing. He should be the character that everyone in the DC Universe aspires to be. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Man, we got really deep into DC. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. Holy shit. I just have shit. so many thoughts on DC. Because <laughs> I'm like you, man. The first comic book that I ever got as a kid was Christmas of 1989 or maybe 1990. The Greatest Superman Stories Ever Told, Volume 2. And it has stuff from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the crazy red and blue Superman, World's Finest. It's got Alan Moore's... Um, story with mongol and like it has everything but superman for the most part was always 
the hopeful, inspirational, the number one guy. And I miss that. I want that. I want people to watch Superman and be like, fuck, that's the man. Especially now. Especially now with what's going on in Hollywood with all the harassment, all that kind of stuff. Superman is that guy that every, that every man should look to and say, that's a good man. That's what I should aspire to be. Yeah. A good man who respects people, who treats people well. Men, women, you know, lesbians, like like everybody, no matter your skin color, your sexual orientation, that guy respects everybody and he treats them like a person. That's what I should aspire to be. That's Superman. And he's not there yet. And I hope he and I hope he gets there soon. I mean, maybe maybe in 10 to 15 years we'll see it. I hope so. Do you have any guilty pleasure superhero movies? I you know what, man? I I can sit down and I can watch Batman Forever, Batman and Robin and Superman 4. I understand how flawed they are and how bad they are. I totally understand it. But I get to see those heroes do their thing. And a Batman and like Batman Forever is a movie and some people some people don't like Batman Forever as much as I do. It still tries to sort of be like kind of 60s Batman with like the crazy neon lights and stuff and tries to be psychedelic and and all that kind of stuff. But it still also tries to be kind of Michael Keaton Batman. Whereas Batman and Robin, it's straight up Adam West and Burt Ward. And they sprinkle a little bit of drama in there. But man, they really made a trippy, a hippy dippy trippy movie. Like, yeah, that movie is straight up 66 Batman with a budget. But I I love it for that. I like it. I I love it for that. I could watch Arnold Schwarzenegger make freeze jokes all day. (laughs) All right, everyone, (laughs) chill. It's so stupid, but God, it's so fun. Oh, boy. Uh, Batman Returns and Batman Forever were the first two movies I owned on VHS. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. And um, that was when I was a wee lad. Yeah. I would say my guilty pleasure superhero movie is Constantine with Keanu Reeves. Sure. Dude, I fuck with that movie so heavy. I honestly have not seen that movie since 2005 when it was out in the theater. Dude, I I can't tell you why, but I think it's... It does a really good job of balancing like horror and superhero elements. Sure. It's not too scary for people who are like big pussies like right. me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like not too superhero-y for people who would be turned off by that. Right. Like it it strikes a good balance. Like sure. I would really fuck with it. Plus, like, I love Keanu Reeves. Dude, same. I think Keanu Reeves, like, no, I don't want to say he's under I don't want to say he's underappreciated, but I think Keanu Reeves is really good at the thing that he does. Mm-hmm. John Wick 1 and 2, I love those movies. They're fucking great. They're so fucking good. And I two, dare somebody to say Oh, otherwise. if anyone says John Wick 1 and 2 are not good, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. Inside and out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, and especially 2. 2 kind of embraces more of some, some of that, like... We're kind of going off the rails here. Like when him him and... Um, oh, God. What's the actor? Common? Common. Yes. Where, where they're like walking through the hallway and they're like shooting each other like uh, uh, around like their corner of their arms as they're walking through like the, the tunnel system or whatever it was. It's so ridiculous. But God damn it. I love it. He gets shot so many times. But because his suit is a quote unquote special suit and he's got bulletproof like armor on, he can get shot. Oh man, it's just like 
it's kind of what the Fast and the Furious movies became to me. They're just a fucking fun time. Yeah. Yeah. That's all they are. It's so and much I'm fun. And I'm so okay with that. I don't need every movie to be on like a level where it's like, I'm going to cry and I'm going to be invested and I don't want, and I'm going to be emotional and this and like, I don't need all of my movies to be like that. No, no. I'm totally fine with having 100% escapist content where I can go watch it and I'm like, this is just fun. I turn my brain off and, and to me, like, I thought the Transformers movies were going to be that. They're not that. Yeah, they're, they're just, just kind of bad. Of shit. They're just they're, pieces of I shit. Mean, they're loud and flashy, but it's it's like escapism for children. Sure, but it's not escapism for no, adults. It's terrible. Like you can't, you can hardly pay attention to no, it as it's an so adult. Bad. The yeah. Transformer transforms that I'm like, I don't know where the head in the ass is. The thing that I think Fast and Furious does so successfully, one, it, it it's extremely diverse, extremely. They have so many characters from so many different sort of like walks of life. Paul Walker's character, Brian, was friends with Tyrese and was friends with Ludacris. And like, it's not it's not a thing. Like, they're just part of it now. So you've got Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez and Ludacris and, you know, and all that stuff. But I love that because I feel like it allows the movie to have layered like layers in there. And I, I think that's so fun. And I think and I love I love going to watch Fast and the Furious movies in the theater because I walk in and you see every shade of person. Yeah. And it, I love that. It's, it's so fun. Fucking loud. It's so loud and, and I love it's it. It's just fun to watch. People are laughing their asses off, they're throwing their hands up, they're having a good time. I'm like that's what movies are supposed to be. Yeah. They're supposed that's to be what good it's times. supposed to be. And sure, like you can still have your niche sort of like art house movies that are dramatic and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't want to watch Mother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually like th- those types of movies I'm intrigued to watch it. Because I want to know what it's all about. See, I like based on uh, one review that I read. Granted, yeah. it was one review. Sure, it doesn't seem like it's for me. Oh yeah, it's very heady for sure. And it's like, mm, no, yeah. I'd rather watch Transformers over this. I'd rather I'd, wa- I'd rather watch something loud and dumb. Sure, because like I don't I don't necessarily go to movies for thought provoking experiences. Right? Okay. Like, I just for I sure. go to have fun. It's not, and it's not for everybody. It's Definitely really not. not. A lot of those movies that are that are in, in that sort of realm where it's thought-provoking and dramatic and all that kind of stuff, a lot of people are like, I'll watch that at home. I'll watch it on Netflix or I'll watch it on Amazon Prime, whatever. I, I love the movie theater experience regardless of what movie it is. And I think that's something that a lot of people nowadays don't value. And I understand why. It's because it's so fucking expensive to go to a movie. Especially for us. what time you go. It does. Like, it really I does. Mean, there's a movie theater up the street that's it's $7. Oh, or really? seven fifty in the morning. Right. Like, I always, I always go at like 10.30. Sure. So it's... It's seven fifty, and, so and that's the thing. And like, I get it. For some people, it's that's impossible. They can't do that because they got to work. I totally understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. I like. I have a movie pass. Like, I love that thing. How is it? I personally love it. I also am not one of those people who bought it when it was nine ninety nine. I've had it since it was fifty dollars. Oh shit! And I've always loved it. Like, it's great. You $50 know, fifty dollars for the year for the month. Holy yeah. shit! But I use it all the time. And in L.A., if you go in the evening to a movie, you're paying $15, $16. Yeah. So you go five times, you've paid it off. Of course. You know? So it, it was worth it. And I, I mean, I, I go to the movies a lot. A lot of the screenings I go to, I'm lucky enough that I get to go and they're free. Like Justice League tomorrow, I'm not... Like, it's free. It's the premiere, so I don't have to pay for it. And it happens quite a bit that I get to go to those. But when I don't, it's like Movie Pass is great. And now it's $10 a month. 
fuck yeah. yeah oh yeah fuck yeah oh perfect i mean it just means i can spend an extra buck or two at the concession stand which is where the theater actually makes its money yeah we know that have you seen happy death day no not yet okay so i've seen it twice i personally really like the movie i had a lot of fun with that movie groundhog's day meets like a horror at first when i saw the trailers i thought i don't know this seems kind of dumb and then Christopher Landon, the director, came into the studio one day to do an interview. And I, I, he, like, he was talking about the movie. And I'm like, okay, I'm a little more intrigued because you seem to really like care about this. Jason Blum was there too. And they like they kind of sold me on the movie. So I thought, okay, I was at TwitchCon. Had nothing to do on a Sunday. So I thought, all right, let's go to a movie. So I grabbed a couple of my buddies. We went to the movie. We had a blast. It's fun. It's a fun movie. It's not like a gory, crazy, slasher, killer, nasty, bloody blood fest. It's just fun, entertaining, and yeah, it has that horror flair to it, but it's such a good time. I really enjoyed it. That's what's up. And then I saw Jigsaw, and I was like, no, I don't know about this one. (laughs) That mirrors a lot of the sentiment that I've seen about it. Yeah. Next question I have for you Mm -hmm. is top five superhero movies. That's a good question. Um, Top five superhero movies. For sure, Superman the Movie, 1978, Richard Donner, The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan, I really like Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman. I really like The Avengers. Oh, man, that's so tough. Top five? Shit. Because Logan and Wonder Woman came out this year, and Logan is like... Dude, Logan was Logan was unfucking believable Logan, to me, Logan did what The Dark Knight did in 08. Mm -hmm. It like... Yeah, yeah. It did something with superhero movies, and I mean, we have to thank Deadpool for that. Without Deadpool being a success... Yeah, without that movie being a success, I don't think Fox would have ever allowed them to do an R-rated superhero movie. No, definitely not. It's not a superhero movie. It is a character-driven drama with somebody who happens to have these powers. Yeah. And to me, that is the genius of that movie. It didn't try to make a superhero movie. It made a character movie. And like, yeah, he happens to have claws. She happens to have claws. She happens to be from his DNA. Logan was so like I cried like a baby at the end of that movie. Did you? Oh man, when he dies and then she takes the cross and turns it sideways, and I was like, "Damn, you got me, you fuckers, you got me." I Damn. hear I hear that the black and white version of Logan is actually even more emotional. It makes you it it makes you feel a different emotion with the huh. absence of color. Interestingly enough, because okay. you're not really the color, the lack of color allows you to really just focus on like what's happening because you know a lot of times like things are exploding and it's like it's distracting there's blood and you know you're looking you're trying to analyze everything whereas with the black and white version i hear it's like it's very much just character it's all character that's all you're watching it for i haven't seen the black and white version yet but i hear it's it and you know hector went to go see the black and white version he was like whatever it's gonna be the same movie like it's a great movie but i'm like is this gonna make a difference he watched it and he was like oh shit i feel like something different like you bring the feelings of what you saw the first time but then you add on this like another layer of like different i don't know i don't know i haven't seen it yet so i don't really know what that is but okay top five is hard but i would say logan i would say the dark knight i would say superman the movie the avengers and god what's another one I'll throw I'll throw in Wonder Woman. Okay, I'll throw in Wonder because I think as for, as a, as an origin movie, it has flaws. 
as a movie on its own, it has flaws, but I think like what it did is impressive. What's the quality of movie, but also like what did the movie do for that genre? Like without Superman the movie, yeah, there's there's things that are wrong with it. He turns back time. Like how stupid. Mm-hmm. But because of what that movie did for the industry and what it did technologically at a point where like making Superman fly didn't exist. Like they had done it in the 50s show, but it was like George Reeves sitting on a board with the background just moving. In the old serials from the 40s, they did a cartoon animation of Superman flying. So it's like for that movie to do what it did and to actually be pretty damn good and tell a really compelling story and a great love story, that's what impresses me. It's The Dark Knight is the same thing. That movie took superhero movies and went like, what if we did it real and we elevated it to a 10 and we brought in IMAX technology and we made everything real stakes and Joker was this crazy, maniacal, like king of anarchy. And it was it was like it was different. I just never had experienced a superhero movie like that. And kind of the same thing goes for like Logan, Wonder Woman. You know, it's like it's crazy to me that the other female superhero movies that we've had had never had the push that Wonder Woman had. It's crazy to me. Electra, Catwoman, it's like, we'll just make them because we can make some money because they're recognizable characters. Because we did Daredevil and it was okay. It made all right money. So let's do Electra because Batman's super fucking popular. Let's do Catwoman, but it won't be Selena Kyle. It'll be this character that we create for Halle Berry. We'll do Supergirl because the Superman franchise is doing really, really well. And it's like, no, you have to actually give a shit about these characters. And I think that's what Wonder Woman did so well is like Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns and the people at DC were like, if we're going to do Wonder Woman, we cannot fuck this up. We got to treat her with the same respect that we would give Batman, Superman, Flash, Green Lantern. Like we got to, we got to treat her like she's a top dog. And she is. I mean, who doesn't know Wonder Woman? She's one of the top most recognizable superheroes. Yep. And the movie is only going to elevate that to a 10 now. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's like maybe maybe story-wise there are better movies, but I think like what that movie did it's like you can't discount that. No, not at you all. You know. So, if you could if you could make a film about one DC character that hasn't appeared in film or television that hasn't, okay. Who would it be? Um as a kid, I really loved Batman Beyond and I loved Static Shock. Oh boy! I love those two characters. Oh boy! I really loved them. I I like the Terry McGinnis storyline to me is so fascinating to do Batman of the future. Wasn't he actually Bruce Wayne's biological son? Yeah, like, I think they. I, uh, I think they used like his DNA, mm-hmm. and they created Terry McGinnis. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think that's how it went. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I'm pretty sure that's how it was. But yeah, like I love that concept of Batman in the future. I mean. I love science fiction, so I think that's kind of part of the reason why I love Batman Beyond. I love the fact that this is something that takes place, I don't know, it's like 50 years in the future or whatever it is, and Batman's old as shit. He's like in his 80s, like barely being, being barely able to walk around. But I love that. I love that concept, and I love that suit. And I think Will Friedle, who voiced Terry McGinnis, like he brought sort of that charisma to the character. And I'm like, this is a fun dude. He basically became Spider-Man. Yeah. In the Batman universe. Yeah. You know, and, and Static Shock. Young teen, angry. Exactly. Exactly. And to me, Static Shock was something similar to that. Like, 
I could relate to those two characters because they were closer to my age and they're fun and they're young and they're hip and they're doing cool stuff. And Static Shock is like, he doesn't have a superhero suit. He kind of just has like a trench coat and t-shirt and some goggles and he looks really cool. Yeah. I loved Static Shock and it was a bummer because I know that they were going to do a live action, I think like a web series or something. I think so. And then they canceled it. I'm like, yeah, because I think it was partially because the comic book got canceled for the new 52. Gotcha. So like back in the day when he was on, uh, when it was the icon or what was that? Ooh, Dwayne McDuffie's comic book Uh company. Uh, so initially he was wearing the fucking ski mask with an X on the forehead and shit and like a jumper. And that, that was next level because it was just like one of the first black owned comic book companies with all black heroes. It was, Mm -hmm. it was static shock, uh, icon. Ooh, uh, what was his name? There were, there were a host of characters Yeah, yeah, and DC, at least in my mind, mishandled a lot of those characters. Yeah. Because after they acquired the company, they. Oh, Milestone Comics, that's what it was. Wildstorm? Uh, Milestone. Milestone, okay. Yeah. Wildstorm. Ooh, that that's was Jim some, Lee's company, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that was like. That was based here in La Jolla. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, dude. You know, uh, you know where Hard Rock used to be on Prospect? Yeah. It was right across the street. Oh, shit. Yeah, Wildstorm. That's what it was, Wildstorm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn. Yep. Okay. I went to Jim Lee's Halloween party. Did you? Yeah. He came into GameStop once when I was working there. Really? Yeah. Yeah, When I was like 16. He finally moved to LA. So I worked at DC in 2012, and he finally moved there, I think, like the year after that. But yeah, I went to his Halloween party. Zachary Levi was there. Nice. That was cool, because he had been announced as Shazam. So oh, I yeah? Up, so I went up to him, and I was like, hey, the man, fuck? I'm super <laughs> excited for Shazam. Can't wait for you. We'll, <laughs> it for, just never came out. What? Shazam. No, it comes out in two years. Does it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. he's still going to be Shazam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was oh, just announced like a month ago. Oh. Yeah, there's going to be Shazam. So, yeah, oh, and shit. I just went to the Halloween party this past Halloween, and he, uh, he was super cool. I was like, oh, I'm so excited to see what you and David Sandberg do. I can't wait. You know, Billy Batson and such a different type of character. He's Superman, like this... This like kid who's Superman, yada yada yada. Um, he was super super nice, but yeah, yeah. If you so any any character in the world, any like with a movie, without a movie, what would your ideal movie for any character be? Um, any character, any character that that exists, right? That exists, or even even a made up one. If sure, you have, if you have your own character in mind, what what would your ideal superhero movie be? Sure, sure. Oh man, that's a good question. That's a really good question. One of my goals in life, and it it may happen, it may never happen. Who knows? The world is a very interesting place. I actually would love to make a Superman movie. I'd love to. And one of the things that I love about Superman, the mythology of like all the different mediums that he's existed in, I love the animated series. Oh boy. And I love that three-part opener. Where it's like we're on Krypton, then we go to Smallville, and then we go to Metropolis. And Brainiac, like they introduce Brainiac and they tell you the backstory of Brainiac and how he came to be and how he got to Earth and Lex Luthor and all that kind of stuff. I would love, there's one part in that first three part episode, which is basically the premiere of the whole show, where Clark hears a car crash happen at a gas station. The car flips, the family's in the car, it's on fire, it's about to explode. As a young kid, this high school kid, he jumps into the fire and like saves this family. 
I feel like we never have had that moment with a young Clark Kent where we get to see him in a movie. We saw it on Smallville for 10 years, but in a movie, we never got to see the basis of like his heroism. We never got to see that that first moment where he was like super heroic. And I feel like that's kind of missing from a lot of the movies. We get to see his first sort of outing as Superman, but I'm sure he was saving people in Metropolis or in Smallville before that. He just didn't have a cape and a, he didn't just didn't have a, a red cape and red boots. I want to explore more of that. That's sort of like what I want. And I would love to explore a little bit more of Krypton, not necessarily spend more time on Krypton, but I would like to maybe include more characters like Brainiac, for example. I love that Brainiac was a creation of Jarrell's and kind of had a somewhat played a part in the disrupt, destruction of Krypton. And Brainiac sort of being more or less this virus attaches itself to something else, Kal-El's ship, to take him to a place where he can now like do other shit and try to take over. So it's like, you already have your first movie. You call Last Son of Krypton. He comes to Earth. Brainiac sort of implants himself into the world. He learns over like all this time that like, you know, Kal-El's growing up. And then you have those characters fight it out. It's like, you don't need to do General Zod again. We've done it twice now. Don't need to do that. And then you sprinkle Lex Luthor throughout the movie, make him this like really sort of idealistic businessman like Bruce Wayne, and then he has a downfall. You know, I think that Batman versus Superman, yeah. I think they were on the right track with Lex Luthor, making him like a spoiled, like kind of millennial character, yeah. like a Mark Zuckerberg-esque character. Oh, no, character. who's Max Landis? Max Landis. No, 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 hundred percent. Because he did a movie with Max Landis right before. Oh, the American Kristen Ultra. One. Yeah, nice. That's where that came from. Really? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Damn, that makes a lot of sense. Right. I feel like that's a, that's a good character ex- to explore. Right. But it just wasn't handled properly. Yeah, and I like I think the Zuckerberg sort of approach is good. Like yeah. Z- Zuckerberg. The Lex Luthor that they put on screen is more of like this eccentric sort of crazy, loopy kind of crazy dude. Mark Zuckerberg is not that. He's no. got this thing when you look at him, you're like, yeah, there might be something that's kind of like off by a few notches, but you're not a bad guy. Like, yes, you're maybe a little cutthroat in your own way, but you got shit done. So I think having that sort of approach where he's like a Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs kind of guy where on the outside, they're, they look really good and like wholehearted and all that stuff. But, like, famously, people have said that Steve Jobs was, like, a very difficult guy to work for. He was very cutthroat. He, like, was not the nicest person. But that's that's creative people. The creative people who are geniuses, that's them. They are cutthroat. They are nice when they need to be, but they are fucking crazy when they need to be. And I think yeah. that sort of approach with Lex Luthor could have been interesting. And then create a scenario where this character who maybe is kind of, like, really self sort of I don't know maybe obsessed with his looks and then you destroy that by making some make him some sort of scenario where he becomes bald then he has a vendetta against Superman and it's not the fact that he's bald it's the fact that like this being is now more powerful than him you know you introduce it as something like well he just he just made him bald like what's the end of the world it's like no 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 Lex Luthor just realized that there's somebody more powerful than him in the world and that terrifies him because he wants to be the number one guy yeah. That's why he wants to take down Superman. So that's kind of that's the movie that I want to make. Make it hopeful. 
but that'd be what's up i don't know i would watch the shit out of that we'll see i mean maybe in 20 25 years i'll get to make it well maybe we'll see we'll see hopefully sooner than that i hope so i'm gonna be in my 50s by that point holy <laughs> shit i'm 30 oh shit god man time flies yeah it really does time flies it for sure does it's yeah. really crazy yeah i appreciate you coming on it's been a good time has been yeah i want to do this again <laughs> yeah we will we, we will we oh, should boy. we should pick this up in like six months and see where we are dude yeah right yeah 100 see, see where we've grown and been like so what did we learn from the last episode what have we done yeah you know what I'm, I'll talk to you after the show. Yeah. I'll talk to you after the show. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. Ladies and gents, it's been real. <laughs> I've been Denzel. Adam, where can people find you? Uh, I'm very easy. I'm all over the internet. Just said my name, Adam Hlavik, A-D-A-M-H-L-A-V-A-C. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm on Snapchat sometimes. I kind of just use Instagram story. That's just me, though. Mm-hmm. But, uh, dude, thank you so much for having me. I, this was really fun. I... I made it a goal for 2018 also to do more podcasts. Good shit. Because this is so just chill and relaxing. And I love I love just talking. And I, I hope that the people who listen to this, I hope they learn something new. Like, I hope that whatever information that we brought to the table, it's like they took it and they're like, okay, I can apply this to my everyday life. This one small little thing. And hopefully in six months when we come back and do this again, they'll also be changed. Yeah. Let's hope so. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Yep. All right. Later, gents. Bye. We're going to get into questions from the subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash real nerd hours. If you notice that music that was playing, that was the music that I used for the 20 to 20s. So you should give those a listen. Hey. I mean, if you want to. There are two omnibuy, omnibuses on, on the fucking Patreon, patreon.com slash r slash r. Yeah, no, <laughs> patreon.com slash real nerd hours. You should hop on there. Uh, we're doing a D campaign that we're waiting to release when we hit 250. Gia, oh, you guys don't want to miss this. It's already quality. We just, well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, getting to the questions from reddit.com slash r slash real nerd hours. Join, join up. Yeah, get on there, have some fun, chat some shit with your boys, ask some questions, get get involved. Yeah, there's there are weekly question and comments threads, questions and comment threads that you can get in on. Go ahead. Yeah. So Sofa Man asks, which is the worst? People who say they're super tasters, people who say they're introverted or extroverted, or people who put their Myers Briggs on their dating profile. Myers Briggs on the dating profile. That shit is made up. (laughs) <laughs> and like I get the appeal of it because that's the type of person you see yourself as. So that's you explaining to people that that's the type of person you are. But you can't tell me that because sometimes I get it confused and I say, maybe that's not the person they are, but the person that they're trying to be. So maybe that's not entirely true of them. And on top of that, it's also made up. So, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even done by like clinical psychologists or anybody. <laughs> yeah, apparently it was like housewives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like, well, I don't care about that at all. Don't put it in your fucking dating profile. Yeah, I don't. Like, I think calling yourself introverted or extroverted is misleading because everyone's shades of gray. 
you know, oh, like bitch, you talking to me. So that must mean you can't be introverted. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if you call yourself an introvert, like, are you allowed to go outside? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're an extrovert. What are you doing sleeping in? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, there's shades of gray on that. Super tasters. I only know one person who considers himself like he, that he might be super taster. And that might be real because he just can't do flavor. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. No flavor at all. It's like, yo, there's a little bit too much salt on this chicken. I didn't put salt in this chicken. Did you use unsalted butter? Uh, that's too much salt. <laughs> what a dickhead. I would hate that. <laughs> it's, it's really annoying to like go out to eat with him. But he knows what to order, so... Good. You know, whatever. A salad with water. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this water is so spicy. Oh, excuse me. Um, Did, was there a grain of pepper in here? <laughs> sir, sir, are there lemons in your in your kitchen? <laughs> could you could you get my water from somewhere else? <laughs> <laughs> Samurai Jack the Face Ripper says, Holy shit, Dick and Patreon just got a lawsuit from Maddox to the tune of twenty million dollars. Holy fuck. Oh, that kind of sucks. Yeah, I don't know what. I saw I saw the, the lawsuit, and this, apparently Asterios is being sued as part of that as well. Jeez. That's really shitty, man. Maddox, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, man. Is this, is this what happened when people don't buy your books? <laughs> oh, oh, God. That's Damn fucking awful. Yeah, I, I, he only posted, Samurai Jack only posted this comment today so i didn't actually get a chance to look into that but god damn like that's all right i'm gonna look into that (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he says on a side note what do you think about all the ea uproar from the community in regards to battlefront 2 and their monetization strategies i mean i'm not surprised in the least it's ea so you're going to have to explain this to me because I'm not entirely caught up on it. Okay. So I wasn't entrenched in this because I don't give a fuck about Battlefront 2 nor EA. I haven't bought an EA game in many years. But so Star Wars Battlefront 2 either just came out or is coming out soon. And they're, they're doing a loot box system for cosmetics, weapons, and characters. Things like, you know, whatever. It's for a lot of stuff. And some of the stuff is pretty much required to progress in the game. You know, it's better weapons. It's not just for cosmetic reasons. So, you know, you can't really equate it with like Overwatch where it's purely cosmetic. So the other thing you can do is you can just buy something outright with an in-game currency. And a guy did the, uh, did the math on this and he said, if you're playing through the campaign and doing online, on average, in order to buy a character, it'll take about 40 hours of grinding to buy a single character. Oh, man. Or you can spend 20 bucks on some loot boxes, get yourself your fancy character. You want to play as Mace Window? 20 bucks. <laughs> oh, boy. Or 40 hours of grinding. Take your pick. So EA then responds to oh, this. You this never respond. <laughs> hey. Well. Oh. <laughs> so then they respond to this saying, 
hey, we just want people to feel a sense of accomplishment. If when you buy a character, we want want you to feel like you've really earned something. And, uh, you know, thank you to the community for your candid responses. <laughs> yeah. I bet a lot of those comments were along the lines of, why the fuck would you charge me for a character that was free in the last game? <sighs> and this is, of course, it's not a free game. It's a $60 game. And then you charge $20 for a character? Like, yo, go fuck yourself. Yeah, not even Street Fighter is doing that. No, I mean, Street Fighter, you can you can get all the characters with in-game currency. I've gotten two characters unlocked with just with in-game currency, and I barely play the game. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not hard to, to, like, farm up your characters, which is great. You can also just buy them. All A lot of the costumes are available just for purchase. You know, I understand they need to make their money. And people are willing to pay for it, and that's fine. I'm not, so I don't. But uh, EA says, you know what? The mo- the highest money-making games, the most profitable games are all doing loot boxes. Let's do loot boxes. Let's make this the worst system possible. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think where people are especially mad and where I think they especially fucked up is that they have a, an outcome on gameplay. Like... In Overwatch, in Street Fighter, like in Street Fighter, you go unlock characters, but you can you can buy them or you can unlock them. And really, you can still win with the original cast. Like Karen's still good, Laura's still good. You don't have to play the new characters, you know. But in Battlefront, this makes a difference in gameplay. You're getting better guns. You're getting better stuff. Yeah, that's really shitty. Like that reminds me of uh, Call of Duty player that I was watching a while ago. And he's got over a thousand hours in Call of Duty Black Ops Three, mm-hmm. or maybe it's Advanced Warfare. I can't. Re- it's the one with the jetpacks. I think I don't remember which one it is. But essentially, he he's got enough hours in it to where he should have had everything unlocked, mm-hmm. but he still doesn't. He doesn't have a bunch of weapon skins unlocked. He doesn't have a bunch of weapons unlocked, and it's so crazy to think that. Even after grinding out over a thousand hours in that game, you still don't have everything. That is ridiculous. Yeah. That is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I know it's profitable, and I know people will pay for it, so companies will continue to do it. But man, is that scummy. Yeah, it is. Well, you can buy our app, Real Nerd app. (laughs) <laughs> and just you know it's all microtransactions yeah get the uh, real nerd loot boxes yeah it's all loot patreon. boxes patreon.com slash real nerd hours you'll wanna you'll wanna make sure you buy each of our characters first and you'll also need to buy the app yeah yeah the app's is. $60 yeah I'm, well, I mean it's quality content uh, you can get Chet you can get special edition Chet where he's got short hair yep yep that's and the uh, the origins Chet yeah 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 get, get those Chets uh, Denzel is DLC uh, DLC pack costs $50 so <laughs> that's only for one Denzel and one Denzel skin uh, it's the cult uniform where it's just black shorts and a gray sweatshirt Yep. so hopefully you enjoy there's no gameplay it's all cosmetic Yeah. so yeah. it's not pay to win it's just that it's, it's cosmetics just, are the game yeah so I mean I mean if you want to win you need to buy the cosmetics yeah that, that's how the game works so get to it all right, good luck, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Syphilis420 says, Yo Denzel, I appreciate the fact that you gave Powder Metal an honest try. I understand most people are probably aren't going to like it. However, I must say, I suggest giving it one more try. By listening to the album Nightfall by Blind Guardian. Out of all the bands I listed, IMO, you listen to the least newcomer-friendly bands. If you listen to Nightfall and it does nothing for you, I can pretty much guarantee you that you and Power Metal were not meant to be. You know, it's funny because I saw that comment come up and I actually went and listened to it. And I fuck with, um, well, I've listened to three tracks. Ooh, boy. Ooh, boy. I can't remember which three I'd listened to, but they were all pretty good. I was like, yeah, this is surprising. This is surprising. This is good. This is this is a fun song. Like, I don't think it's anything that I'll ever go back to with any regularity, but, like, I liked it. I liked the music. All right. I can't say I've listened to much Blind Guardian myself. I should check that out as well. Yeah, definitely. It's like, um, it reminds me of Conan, the Barbarian, for some reason. Yeah. I can't tell you why, but it just does. The cool fantasy, the manly fantasy movies. Yeah. What happened to those? What happened to manly fantasy? Yeah, you know, they're not too much around anymore. Now it's all just like Mark Wahlberg and disaster porn. And wandering through forests. (laughs) I need to find this cave to drop the ring in. Go. Go. No, the rocks can't fly into Mordor. <laughs> yeah, they're glaring plot holes, but uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, w- I want manly, manly fantasy like Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. If anybody knows any good, like, super... Super macho fantasy. <laughs> Just let me know. Not like not like gay porn. No, but yeah. no, not gay porn. Just something like Conan the Barbarian, a comic yeah. book or a book. I doubt there are movies. I can't think of anything recently. There was I've, most of it came out in the eighties. A lot of it was in the. 80s. I mean, when when Schwarzenegger and Stallone were doing their competition stuff, like that's all it was. It's like, oh, you got Rambo, I got Conan. <laughs> <laughs> He won an Oscar for Rambo. Damn, all right. I'm pretty sure he did. There must have been some weak competition that year. <laughs> Not to say Rambo's bad, but Oscar-worthy? Yeah. <laughs> right. If you look at some of the movies in the past that have won Oscars, it's like, what the fuck were they thinking? We'll do that next week. We'll look oh, at movies yeah. that won Oscars that really fucking surprised us. Oof. Yeah. yeah I, I can think of some off the top, but yeah. <laughs> next week. <laughs> yeah, Rip asks... What's the worst anime dub you've ever seen? Like, a competent anime, but the dub is just the worst. Because I watched the Mazenkaiser SKL dub at my dad's the other week, and fuck, it was awful. The action, the animation, and music were competent, but goddamn that dub. Bad voices that don't match the character, edgy as shit dialogue, and nobody can pace a sentence properly, so we got a whole cast of Captain Kirk's over here. It's almost worth watching just for how bad the dub was. I think the worst one that I've seen, if I recall correctly, is one of the Slayers. Ugh. Like, one of those series had just a fucking awful dub. Oh, no. No, it wasn't Slayers. It was something my sister used to like called Fushigi Yugi. Oh, God, Fushigi Yugi. Yeah, that I'm, one had a fucking awful dub. I bet a lot of, like, those old shoujo stuff like that, those probably were pretty awful. 
Yeah. Because they weren't like the highest budget stuff. And like, you don't really need the most talented cast. It's just relationship drama. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. See, I can't actually think of any really bad dubs off the top because, or, you know, <laughs> since I've read that question days ago. But, um, because <laughs> uh, like any really bad dub, I just would turn it off. I would just switch it to subs. Like I, that was what I would do no matter what. I could think of a few that were, were kind of annoying. There was one, um, uh, Saber Marionette J had kind of a weak dub, but that was kind of the standard at the time where like around that 1998, like all of the, uh, kind of obscure stuff. Like if it wasn't mainstream, it had a shit dub. Like, like ADV dubs. What was that company called? <sighs> The one that did all of the same dubs. I don't or remember. Or not the same dubs, but a lot of the dubs from I, the I, 90s. AD, I know ADV was popping for a while. Ocean Group also. Yeah. They were a Canadian Canadian studio. But I have kind of the exact opposite of what you just said. Mm-hmm. Where... So the, the English... I don't even know what the Japanese title for it is. But the English dub is called Ghost Stories. Oh, yeah. Somebody... I met somebody that was telling me about that. Okay. Uh, if you haven't heard about this, it was an old Japanese anime that was so bad that when they went to localize it, the team in charge of that was like, this is horrible. We don't care what you do with this. So basically, I don't know if there was any form of script, but the voice actors all improv'd it. Uh, and they turned what was... A somewhat serious like ghost adventures in a school kind of series and made it into a complete farce and it's hilarious and there's like 60 episodes of it too I thought it was only like 20 <laughs> that's the worst yeah so it's it's definitely worth checking out you know grab some friends get drunk and watch this terrible terrible uh terrible anime with an awesome dub what's really good is that they uh, they created totally different characters like one character is hardcore evangelical christian another character is jewish that has nothing to do with their actual (laughs) characters in the story Uh, that was actually on one of those like top 10 worst anime lists oh i believe it but the reason why i didn't pick it was because the dub was apparently like fun yeah 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 so leo larkin asks is there a literary device or trope that makes you guys immediately stop caring about a story? For me, it's the destiny slash chosen one plots. The second I hear someone is the chosen one and they're destined to do something, I just stop giving a fuck. I don't, I don't know. I don't read a ton. I don't like uh, where I don't read a ton of fiction, that is. I don't like the like impervious to karma character. The person who's just a piece of shit all the time. And no one, there's no repercussions for it. Yeah. Yeah. Not a big fan of that trope. Yeah. I think if a villain is really unlikable, like completely unlikable, I won't like a show. Actually, if any character, if main character, side character, doesn't matter. If there's one character that just pisses me off, I'm done. And that's, you know, usually them just being an insufferable jackass. I mean, truly unlikable. Yeah. I think the biggest red flag for me in a show is a harem of any sort, be it one guy surrounded by six women, one girl surrounded by six beautiful men. Like 
that kind of shit usually is a good sign of a weak story and uh, it's pretty common in anime <laughs> <laughs> yes yes it is <sighs> yeah Portuguese Charlie asks I don't know if this has been asked before but what is the most bullshit game you guys have ever played I hate when luck is heavily involved in winning in any video game especially when it's supposed to be at least somewhat competitive I tried FIFA this weekend, and I have never felt so cheated and disgusted when playing video games. They have this momentum script implemented in the game as a way to handicap players. You're winning 1-0 and the game's in the game's dying minute, and your opponent can shoot from anywhere and almost always score. Like, they call this excitement. Fuck! <laughs> I hate this game. Love the show, though. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Portuguese Charlie. I mean, Hearthstone's all RNG. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I couldn't get into it. Yeah. I didn't want to spend any money on the game. And I was just like, that problem was most apparent when you were going against the bosses. Yeah, like, oh, the, yeah. if you're uh, doing like the solo adventure stuff. Yeah, the solo adventures. And one game, you'll just get that ass whooped. And then in the next game, you'll be done in like four turns. Yeah, no, it... Hearthstone is very heavily reliant on RNG, but it also helps balance the game between people who have spent $1,000 on the game and people who haven't. Like, it actually helps the balance between paid players and not, but it also makes for some very, very salty moments. Uh, but I would say the most bullshit game of all time is probably I Want to Be the Boshi and nothing's going to beat that, so... Yeah, because that one was just made. It's intentionally. Yeah. Like, I watched speedruns of that game, and it's just like, God damn, how long did it take for you to memorize all of this? Yeah, that's, that's intense. Yeah. I don't have any particular games that I think are just outright bullshit. Yeah. That, that rubber banding mechanics are really fucking annoying, and that FIFA thing is pure rubber banding, and that, that's, yeah. that's irritating just to hear about. You know, now that you mentioned rubber banding in the game Grid, it had a huge issue with rubber banding mm. because instead of artificially increasing the speed of the cars behind you, what they could do is just clip through the map. <laughs> so, on one of the one of the maps I was playing, I saw a car like it looked like because the the shortcuts in the game aren't actually shortcuts shown on the map. They're mm -hmm. just like spots that you drive through sure and so i thought this person was taking a shortcut despite the fact that i would raced this map tons of times and never known about a shortcut this person this this ai just would cut off like a huge piece of the map that's and so, so bad. i went to just go try it and i ran right into the wall yeah i was just like what is this what's going on here but you know they did what they wanted is embarrassing. Yeah. God. Yeah. Bad rubber banding is so fucking frustrating to deal with. Which is, if you if you don't know the concept of rubber banding, it's basically like the difficulty of the game increases based on how much how well you're doing. Mario Kart is a really bad offender of this, especially the first one. Where oh, dude! As soon as they introduce the blue shell. Oh God! Which one was that? That was that was sixty four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and you would just continuously get pelted with those. You would you would be fucked. Yeah. Juice Campbell comes in with two questions. 
says, how do you guys feel about the Souls series and Souls-like games? Dark Souls is one of my favorite games, but it feels like a very polarizing series due to its difficulty. I like Dark Souls. I like Demon Souls. I like. I haven't tried Bloodborne yet, but I think I would like that one a little better than the other two because it seems more combat active and less just dodge and move, counterattack, etc. But I'm cool with them. I don't mind hard games at all. I've never played any of them. My ah, sister no. is a huge fan of that series. I bought uh, Dark Souls 2 mm-hmm. and Demon Souls or Dark Souls 3 maybe. I don't Demon know. Demon Souls is the very first one. So is it it's Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2. Yeah. Dark Souls 3? I don't know if there's a 3. I don't remember. Uh, there uh, wasn't a series I really paid much attention to. <laughs> maybe something The Last Scholar. Something with The Last Scholar. Dark Souls. I, I don't yeah. know. Whatever. I, I, I own those games. I just haven't played them yet because I'm bad at video games. And it's very frustrating for me <laughs> to play a game that I'm bad at and just continuously do the same thing over and yeah. over and over and over and over again. Oh, you mean... Like Cuphead, Denzel. Is Cuphead something that you're specifically referencing in this moment? Oh, mm. why, yes, why, yes, it is me. <laughs> yes, me. that's exactly that's, it. That's precisely what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I like those games. I actually want to play those more, but don't. <laughs> mm. So, a second question is, have you ever lost a job? And how did you deal with it? I lost my job two months ago, and thankfully I've lined up a new job with the government that I'm starting in a few weeks while I temp at a warehouse. Catching up with your podcast over the last few weeks has really helped me get through my monotonous job while I wait for something better. Thanks for the great content. You're welcome. Thanks for listening, man. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, the only jobs that I was fired from, though, were jobs when I was like 17 or 18. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm, yeah, I mean, all, like, just fucking around being an idiot. I didn't have to deal with anything because I just (laughs) fucking was living at home. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't have money for the next two weeks while I look for another retail job. No. Oh, no. Yeah. But I'm sorry to hear that you lost your job. That's a bummer. Getting laid off or getting fired sucks, whichever it is. Whatever Whatever the case may be, if it's not on your own terms, then it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I've never, never really lost a job per se. Um, it, because I was working freelance for a long time, and now I'm doing that again. It, like losing losing a contract or like ending working at a specific place. I don't know. It just feels different because you know that that's always a possibility. But if I was like up and canned from a place it would have a much different effect so i yeah i can't really offer any uh insight on that because it's never been any high stake sort of thing but uh you know it sounds like you're dealing with it pretty well uh, as it is so yeah yeah keep on trucking enjoy yourself yeah thanks everybody for listening to this week's edition of real nerd hours i've been denzel i've been chet you can follow the show on twitter at x real nerd hours you can follow me on twitter at that denzel you can follow chet on twitter at bushido brown sd you can find adam on twitter and instagram at adam Hlavik, a-d-a-m-h-l-a-v-a-c and you can find hyper rpg on twitch twitter instagram 
uh, YouTube, and many other platforms at HyperRPG. You can join us on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash real nerd hours. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash real nerd hours. You can like the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash real nerd hours podcast. You can give us a call at 413-SAVAGE-1. And you can shoot us an email at askrnh at gmail.com. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next Thursday. Y'all have a good night.